forever. Dog. On today's episode of Weekend at Bergman's, we celebrate the life and career of the one, the only, Ray Liotta, mm-hmm. who sadly passed away last week at the age of 67. R.I.P. Ray. And more specifically, we're going to be looking at the latter part of Ray's career, representing the art house. It's Andrew Dominic's 2012 neo-noir, Killing Them Softly. And representing the mainstream, it's the 2021 big screen Sopranos prequel, The Many Saints of Newark. Joe, are you ready? Oh, yeah. Then roll that theme song. Every week, you and I watch two movies together. Well, not quite together because we watch them apart. You at your house and me at mine. Whoa. Every week. We watch the same two movies. Rest in peace, Ray Liotta. But how do we choose these two movies? Well, one is a brilliant, beautiful work of cinematic art, the height of the medium. And the other one is mainstream. I'm talking popcorn, baby. Hollywood endings. But what happens when we watch them back to back and have to say which one we liked better and we have to be honest. Welcome. Welcome to Weekend at Bergman's. We're going to watch an art house movie and a mainstream movie. And we're going to tell you which one we like better. And the one we like better is going to go in the canon. And the one that we didn't like as much is going to go in the trash canon. And we're not allowed to watch it uh, ever again for the rest of our lives. That is the premise of this podcast. My name is Brett Bohm, and I am seated across from my co-host, Joe Cilio. Joe, how you doing? You look fantastic. Thank you very much. You look great as well. Thank you. Uh, and what are you, we should say, uh, uh, we are, uh, if you're just listening to the podcast, you don't know that we are dressed uh, in in character um, as the two movies we're uh, watching today, as we do every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you watch our podcast on Forever Dog Plus, sign up at foreverdog.plus, uh, you'll know we're, that we're in costume. Yeah. Uh, you you look excellent. I mean, you are really a, just a, 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 like a photograph from the past. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, what was the inspiration for this outfit? Um, Joey Coco Diaz on his day off in uh, Many Saints of Newark. <laughs> well, he still had his head on his shoulders. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, how about you? Uh, I am playing a a, a complete scumbag, uh, Mickey, the, the character played mm-hmm. by James Gandolfini. I, uh, and this is, we should say, this is a Ray Liotta tribute. Neither of us dressed as Ray Liotta's characters <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> from yeah. the movies. Well, that that would be, be offensive. That yes. would be a disservice. Yes. How could we? I, I'm not going to dress up like possibly... Ray Liotta, like the great, uh, the great and wonderful Ray Liotta. No shot. And we will, we will give Ray his due. Uh, one of the great actors of this generation. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited to pay tribute to him today, As and to I. pay tribute to the I think underrated latter part of his career. Thank you. Uh, we all know about uh, you know something wild. We all know about Goodfellas. Uh, but let's talk about that really brilliant late stretch. So um, good. Yeah, he's so great in good. both these films. I'm so, so excited we watch them. Uh, this could also. Double as, not to take any shade away from Ray Liotta, this could also double as a James Gandolfini uh, tribute this episode. That's right. 
because yeah. we get you know obviously a great James performance. You're you're addressed in homage to him as we speak as his Mickey and killing them softly, and of course his son. Uh, plays young Tony Soprano. Michael in, Gandolfini. Uh, Michael Gandolfini plays young Tony Soprano in The Many Saints of Newark. Uh, and as part of my costume, I am nursing a very large dirty martini, uh, two olives. Thank you very much. Uh, as That's perfect for you. Uh, what do you mean? Well, you're at work and the sun's out. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the ingredients are there uh, for a little day drinking. Um, I, I mean, was that like a, a dig at me? <laughs> Is it, uh, no. Okay. I mean, name a harder working person at our company. I dare you. What does that have to do with it? I'm just saying. You, you seem to imply that, you know, I'm like, you know. Wow, prickly pear. I was I, just I was just joking I, around. Speaking of prickly pear, now there's another great martini uh, ingredient. <laughs> a prickly mm. pear martini. Lychee martini. They do all kinds of martinis these days. That's right. Vesper. That's the James Bond special. Okay. Will we ever watch a James Bond movie on this? I Probably. What would you pair it with? Mm. Oh, that's dirty. Uh, maybe the original Island of Dr. Moreau with a, with a Sean Connery James Bond. Interesting. Interesting. So I'm going to think, I guess we got to do a little more art housey, but look. That's for the look. I, I'm loving these fan suggestions, I, guys. Brett has posted on our weekend at Bergman's at Weekend Bergman's Twitter account uh, today. Uh, you can go there. You can see the movies we have this June and this July. And I am so excited about the films we're going to be watching on this podcast. And the pairings that the fans have submitted have been brilliant. We did our first fan submission pairing last week with Red Shoes and Showgirls. Of which I would like to know which one I'm ever allowed to watch again, by TBD, the way. coming up very but soon. But I very absolutely soon. love so many of the suggestions. Thank you all. Keep them coming. Please. We definitely want to hear from you. You're great mm. at it. Um, and I'm very excited to, to hear more. Yeah, we went ahead and programmed the entire summer for Weekend at Bergman's, June and mm -hmm. July. You follow us at Weekend Bergman on Twitter and Instagram. You'll find um, our whole schedule, our whole calendar there. You can start watching ahead if you want. Uh, you can start sort of brainstorming ahead if you want which which films you think are going to win uh and next week speaking of of uh audience suggestions we've been getting so many great ones and yeah. i said i was trying to uh, figure out a matrix pairing a matrix pairing yes and i i said you know what what am, why why am i you know racking my brain for this we got so many brilliant out people out there that listen to this show let's send it out there mm -hmm. and they came back with so many you guys came back with so many great suggestions thank uh, you fast finders world on a wire jean-luc godard's alphaville uh la jetty the chris marker kind of like still frame movie um so many great suggestions we ended up going with uh darren aronofsky's um uh, i think his first feature film pie mm. uh we're gonna pair pie with matrix next week that's mm. next week's pairing um and uh a i think there's a lot of great you know thematic connections there of trying to get to the bottom you know get yeah, to the bottom of the meaning of the universe and codes and all this simulations and all these things um but they're also very close chronologically um pi 98 matrix 99 so i think we can have some interesting conversations there i can't wait to know if i can never watch pi again or the matrix again but our, we don't that's not our job our job is not to pick which one we want to watch again our job is to pick which one did we like more which one is better um and last week i'm sorry i'm pushing this i'm just i've been i've been this chomping is kind at the of bit the most week. important part of the show i'm so sorry last yeah. week we watched red shoes and showgirls i decided that i liked better and i thought that uh it was or i liked more and i thought it was better with showgirls and brett liked uh, red shoes more and thought it was better both amazing films you know this is how it goes on this program but then we kick it to our fans and we say we can't decide 
It's a split jury. We need you to help. We put out a Twitter poll and the fans respond and we're so grateful for it, I think. We'll see what movie I'm never allowed to watch again. Yeah. And then, uh, and you tell us which one you liked more. So Brett, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm pushing, I'm pushing this part no, no, of the I show. Know. I'm, I know you're I'm eager. chomping at the bit. Well, I, I don't blame you because again, this is real life stuff here. These are no, real no, life no. stakes. I, I look, look, I'm looking at the camera. This is real. In life, you only get to make so many promises. This is a promise I'm making in this life. The the movies in the trash cannon are unavailable to me. We're not to lying. Watch. We're not lying. They're unavailable to me for the rest of my life. Who all I have is my name and my pride. And I'm telling you, I'm looking in the camera on foreverdog.plus. You can get me looking into the camera and promising you. I promise I'm never gonna watch whichever one of these films loses ever again as long as I live. If my if my son comes up to me. 20 years from now and says, dad, I know that dumb podcast you did, you know, 20 years ago, but there's a screening Whoa. of, there's oh. a screening of the seventh seal, mm-hmm. uh, at, at this old theater downtown mm-hmm. and, and there's mm. going to be a commentary beforehand and, and Ing, they're going to summon Ingmar Bergman's ghost <laughs> and he's going to, yeah, he's going to talk. Hologram. They're going to have a Bergman hologram yeah. and it's my 21st birthday. There's nothing I'd rather do than go to this seven seal screening. Can you please just make an exception, please, just for your old son, please. And I'd say, Dad, son, please. I love you. Papa. I love you. We, and we might have made, I've, I've watched Weekend at Bernie's several times since. We honestly might have made a, <laughs> a misjudgment there, a miscalculation. Um, but I'm sorry, I made an oath, and my word is my bond. You're gonna have to find someone else to go to the seventh seal with you. I cannot do it. I that means that. that that is that is. I mean, to me, that's beautiful. These Your are real life stakes. Maybe stupid and dumb, but this is real because he sounds very smart in that scenario. He sounds it, very for his twenty first birthday. He wants to go see the seventh seal. Okay, but he wants to hang out with you. I, I, I don't know. It. I love. Uh, obviously, it. I, love I would it. love that for you too, man. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> Okay. All right. Here so we go. which one is it? So who won the poll? Who won the poll? Huh. Oh my god, your theme song was awful today. It was worse. The it gets worse every week. Building. The suspense. I saw you literally took it your was, headphones and off. And then I remembered I couldn't escape. You're sitting right across from me. I'm not like listening on my podcast at home. Who won the poll? Now I like who won the poll. Who won the poll? Which movie? Which movie? Which movie won the poll that we did on Twitter last week? There, I did. Yeah, that one's good. So, which movie won the poll? Red Shoes or Showgirls? Here we go. In a, Come on. In a tight contest, someone on Twitter called it a Sophie's Choice. There was a lot of uh, no. listeners tortured over this decision. Okay. The winner is, by a margin of 56 to 44%, that's close. The Red Shoes. Wow. The Red what? Shoes I can never watch it. Showgirls ever you can again. You never watch Showgirls. That was the last time you watched Showgirls in your life. And me. How does that sit? It sits well. And let me tell you why. That is not the body language I got just now. I'm sad, but it sits well because I've been thinking about my choice, Showgirls, all week, and I liked the movie more. But this week I mentioned the red shoes like three times in three different meetings um, because I needed to kind of like pull from it because it like inspired me in different ways. And I think that the fans are showing their taste here. I like it. They picked Die Hard last week. Very cool fans. I'm with you guys. I like it. A little bit of Die Hard for me, a little bit of red shoes for Brett, all incredible films. I mean, wow, I can never see Showgirls ever again. 
Uh, that's a shame. That's a shame. But Red Shoes was gorgeous. I, I talked about the ballet sequence. I talked mm-hmm. about Lermontov's mm-hmm. relationship with uh, the prima ballerina whose name I'm blanking on, Victoria or whatever. Yep. And, Character's um, name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Moira Shearer. Moira Shearer. Um, hard, hard time with the name Moira. That's all right. Moira and, um, Anyway, fans, the fans have spoken, and this is the pro- solemn vow I've made. So I'll never watch Showgirls again, which sucks. That is a great it's film. A great movie. It's this a is a shame. Movie. It's a fun movie. This is a shame. This one hits the hardest, I guess, because I never yeah. lost yet. Someone's going to have. This is what you must have felt like oh, last wow. week. Oh wow! Yeah, you haven't lost yet. This is this sucks. Welcome. Welcome. It's okay. Red Shoes is great. You guys, you guys made a good choice. And look, I'm, you surpri- can still go I'm to actually bed. surprised. I am. I am too. I am. Too. I'm, I'm surprised. Shocked. I'm and, yeah. and I don't mean to be rude. I just thought more people would be scrolling through Twitter and press the button Showgirls. And but I don't I was mean, wrong. I don't, mean, I don't mean this to be insulting, but I was pleasantly surprised. I was pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. I kind of had read our audience in 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 one way, kind of coming off of like you know, loving Weekend at Bernie's, loving uh, Die Hard. I, I had made some judgments about our audience, and I think this was this caused me to reevaluate a little bit. I think I no, think our, le- I think our audience, legit. our audience like us, is just being honest. No, they're, they're just being just honest. Being honest they, week to I week. think you just have to accept that they just, they just like Die Hard more than the three hour long yeah. movie about the woman cleaning her house. John Dealman, rest in peace. I will never watch it again. Um, well, there it is. The Red Shoes enters the canon. Showgirls wow. enters the trash canon. Uh, and before we get to today's movies, uh, there was a big event, a big event in the film world, a prestigious event that happens every year uh, that I wanted to give a little recap on, a little Weekend at Bergman's recap on. That sounds beautiful. Uh, and of course, we're talking about the Cannes Film Festival. So if you don't mind, uh, this is a new segment called What Happened at Cannes. Mm, you're not going to. Mm-hmm. My Susie Quattro heads. You know this. Here we go. Standing O's in the south of France. What happened at Cannes? Day drinking with David Lynch. What happened at Cannes? Pump to or. Pump to or. Pump to or. What happened at Cannes? So what happened at the Cannes Film Festival this year? Uh, while I let Joe kind of soak in that theme song, only soaking it in on plus the uh, the top prize at this year's Cannes Film Festival, of course, called the Palme d'Or, um, went to Swedish director Ruben Ostlin, which uh, puts him in rare air. Ruben I won what for the fuck? a triangle I mean, of is this sadness. Guy, is this guy that fucking brilliant? No fucking way. Welcome. There's no fucking way. Welcome to the big leagues, Ruben. This is ridiculous. Welcome to the big leagues, baby. No, it's only him and who else that ever did this. Uh, no one has. Uh, he uh, is the ninth director to win twice. No one's ever won three times. No director has ever won the Palm. If this three motherfucker Giannis's me and wins MVP Do three it. times. <laughs> I will lose my shit. <laughs> you didn't like The Square? Uh, Ruben Austin, we should say, previously directed The Square, which won the Palm d'Or. Fine. Uh, a great movie about the about the art world. A movie about the art world. Uh, and Force Majeure, a very funny uh, satire of, of a kind of that, that, marriage. Uh, okay, so that didn't win the Palm d'Or. No, The Square did. Oh, yeah, yeah. So The Square, and then this year's movie, uh, Triangle of Sadness, is which, his new which movie. Which I'm looking forward Looks to. Looks incredible. I just can't believe this random- Woody Harrelson in a Ruben Austin movie? This Come random on, I can't wait. guy. Yeah comes and wins like in with what in five years twice everybody's random until they got a legacy baby everybody's random i'm sure they're saying that about francis ford coppola and um well coppola most you know i will say who are the other sorry you have a legit you have a legit point because most it's a lot of big names on here but most people win it 
Yeah, like later you win it career. when you're like hot young shit, and then you win it later when they like are like, you know what, this guy just made amazing movies for forty years. Uh, and this the, one's really, good. really the only other comparison is Coppola, who won for Conversation so in '74 and Apocalypse Now in '79. The guy who made uh, the Michael circle. Haneke won like for two like later films. Um, the Dardennes won kind of uh, for for sort of yeah, I mean uh, Ken Loach for two later films. Uh, so Coppola is really the only comparison of kind of a, young, a young a young gun went in twice in the. Did first you like the square career. as much as the, as the fucking apocalypse now? Is that like the kind Might of like to do it. is that Might like the level of yeah. import? I'm just so 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 deeply shocked. Um, I and like the square a lot. And, I think Elizabeth Moss's best performance, the square. She is so good in that. Very funny. And I, I'm excited to see the new movie. Put Elizabeth Moss in more comedies. She can do it. She she's got the chops for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not that The Square is a comedy per se, but she's very funny in it just by being such a good actor in in the context of the movie. Our June and July programming is thrilling. By the end of this calendar year, we got to talk about The Square on this podcast. I would love to. I would love to talk about The Square with you. Anyway, I th- this is this was really tell us what to pair the square with. Yes, I'd love that. Maybe maybe we'll break uh, form and just do square versus apocalypse now, and just just fucking two heavyweights duking it out, two palm door heavyweights. Let's go. I, I love that. Yeah. Anyway, so any sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt your segment. I just I was baffled, shocked, and you're and inside surprised. my segment, baby. Much like the square, oh, you are inside cool. my segment. Yeah. You can't get out. Anyway, what else happened to Can? Hmm. Uh. Uh, great director uh, Park Chan Wook, uh, who you know from directing Old Boy and The Handmaiden. Um, yeah, Handmaiden, one of the best, the best movie ever. Fucking, yeah, past past twenty ever. thirty years. Yeah, um, the coolest movie ever. Handmaiden is so good. Uh, Park Chan Wook won Best Director for his new film Decision to Leave, which I can't wait to see. Yeah, why didn't that win? How many Palm Doors he won? Uh, there were uh, some big premieres, some big premieres uh, from uh, other auteurs, like uh, uh, other directors that had new movies, George Miller, Claire Denise, uh, James Gray, Kelly Reichardt, uh, David Cronenberg. My least favorite uh, Hirokazu Kori Ada, who had that great film Shoplifters, which won Palm Door a couple years ago. Did you hear the plot of his new movie Broker? No, it's about like child traffickers, uh, and uh, it looks charming. But they're they're charming. They're child traffickers. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I can. I, I love these movies. I love. I, 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 love, love, I sound like I like watch every movie love shoplifters every year. Can't wait like, to see they always what these I love what people the movies people make are amazing, and I love hearing what they all decided to make. And there were some big budget premieres. Um, uh, Top Gun Maverick premiered there, which is getting a, a lot of rapturous reviews. Uh, Tom Cruise also got an honorary an honorary Palm Door. Uh, so if you don't like uh, Ruben Oslin, I guess you can consider Tom Cruise the Palm Door winner of this. Oh, year's I don't band. dislike Robert Oslin. It's just insane Not to me name. that he like is some is some. Hey, everybody, is it is it? I guess I guess Triangle of Summer or Summer of Love or Summer of Triangle. Triangle of Sadness is probably really good. I suppose I'm sure it's phenomenal. Uh, Elvis, uh, uh, Boz Lerman's Elvis, uh, got Can't a got wait. a got a got the um, longest uh, standing ovation. I'm you know, sure a a, a, tra- a a tradition at Can the standing ovation. Uh, Elvis got a 12 minute standing ovation, which puts it in the uh, p- puts it in the Hall of Fame of standing ovations. So I, you know what that guy is. Lucy and I am fucking Charlie Brown. They do this every time this motherfucker makes a movie. They give him a 12 minute standing ovation and tell me it's new and innovative and special. And then I go and the whole entire time I go, oh my fucking God, can this movie end please as fast as humanly possible? Him and Claire Denis, the two worst directors in Hollywood. Jesus. (laughs) Jesus. 
Well, Claire Dethy's not a Hollywood director, and no, Bo, Bo Travail is an absolute masterpiece. Not to mention 35 shots of rum and white material. But uh, White material is so fucking boring and bad. White material is is... I am literally about to fall asleep just are remembering. Getting this? Are getting this? Okay. Yeah, white right, material. Right. Do, it in, do it in camera. White material fucking stinks. If you want to put yourself to bed, you can toss on white material. Oh my God. It's just a woman in a Jeep for an hour and 45 minutes and it is a snooze fest. Joe didn't get it. Uh, let's. Um... <laughs> I didn't get it. Honest to fucking God. You're all obsessed with getting it. Fuck you. It's boring as shit. The can standing ovation is truly. You, oh, I oh I I get it. Oh, good for you. Do you want me to fucking you know jerk you off too? You get it. What do you? I get it. It was boring as shit. Like High Life. I never saw it. Okay, maybe we'll watch High Life. That sounds fun. Um, she, she's a wonderful director. <laughs> <laughs> Every film she makes is worth seeing. <laughs> White material is fine. It's hard to explain, Joe, but that that kind of did it right there. It's but but every like somehow everything you just said was true. No, and I believe I believe everything yes, I said. I you believed everything you just said, even though all of it was contradictory. It's somehow also I'm, true. I can't wait to see her new stuff. Uh, the can standing ovation is truly a mindfuck of of a tradition and impossible to predict. Uh, it's 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 just pure chaos and action. Uh, I wanted to list some some films that have played at Can before, and I want to I want you to uh, guess the standing ovation they got. Oh, that's okay. so fun! Right. Now wait, now wait. Before yeah. I answer, yes. isn't there some? It's like it's not just you loved it. Isn't there some other like besides the oh, besides so, the politics? It's performative. Is, is there it's like another textual? It's yeah, like it's, it's, it's the whole. Bag it's the of mood tricks. in the room. It's like did you what did you eat before you came in? It's like it's so. <laughs> There is it. it um, there's just no way to relate the can standing ovation to the movie itself or the or the right. subsequent like reception of the movie. Okay. It is just a singular moment in time, uh, much like we do here on the show. People at can just react in the moment, and it's just pure chaos. And there's no because these are movies that have not yet. I think so many – I kind of love the can standing ovation because so much of our impressions of movies, I think, are largely informed by what we read about them and our anticipation, our expectations going into the movies. Yeah. Or like who we're seeing them with or what other people like oh, them. Totally. This, right? it, the can standing ovation is just people who have never seen these movies know basically nothing about them. I mean Elvis, you know what Elvis is about. But sure. no, don't, you know, they, don't ha- they don't have that whole context of critical and sort of uh, audience and social media sort of – a uh, 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 pre-publicity oh, well, going yeah. on, right? They just watch it and they react, and it's crazy. And they react to each other. What's going on in the mm. room, right? Very exciting. The vibe. Very okay. The square. The square. So deserved it. So uh, the Safety Brothers' good time. The Safety Brothers' good time with Robert Pattinson. How long of a standing ovation did, the, did Good Time get? I like Good Time. Six minutes. Lit. Exactly right. That's How'd you okay. know that? How'd you know that? I don't know. Okay. I just, it minutes. felt right. Okay. Six. Wow. I mean, this is. I love my. I love my can. I think we're at can right now. This is incredible. Like you <laughs> well, I got six one. Minutes. Thank you very okay. much. Let's see what I do next. I might fuck it up. Uh, uh, <laughs> this next one, the Beaver with Jodie Foster and Mel Gibson. The Beaver, where Mel Gibson. Uh, <laughs> so basically, it's uh, over <laughs> under Good Time, and I think Jodie. Remember, Mel, all right. at, at that point in time. Okay, go ahead. So yeah. far, we know Good Time got six minutes. Yeah. Uh, Elvis got twelve minutes. Yeah, the Beaver, where Mel Gibson yeah. like uh, talks with a Beaver hand puppet I as a way of Beaver. Uh, yes, how did? <laughs> because Mel was like making able to make the Beaver back yes. then, and because it's like funny and weird, and because Jodie Foster's in it, I'm gonna say over. I'm gonna say seven and a half minutes. The Beaver got a ten minute standing <laughs> ovation. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> that might not, that might sound like whatever at this point. No, no, that's insane. Put yeah, on a yeah, timer yeah, right yeah, now yeah, and then yeah. tell us when 10 minutes hits. And for that yeah, entire. But first watch the beaver. And for then, that and then, entire. And then clap for seven and a half minutes. And 10 see. minutes. They stood. They stood and clapped for the beaver. <laughs> Man, uh, Jodie Foster uh, is so incredible. We yes. give her a pass for her like True her, Detective, her, baby. Her, sign me up. Oh, season four. Season four. Season sign four. me up, baby. Uh, we give her a pass for her Mel Gibson, like her undying allegiance to Mel Gibson. Um, oh, stop. Who cares? No, Joe Esterhaus is she. Listen to last week's episode. Uh, Heaven and Mel. We got to get. I, ordered, I know. I ordered a copy of Heaven and Mel for the for the office. We'll have to read. I it. cannot wait. We'll do a uh, a weekend at Bergman's book club with yeah. Heaven and Mel. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Quentin Tarantino's uh, most recent film. A movie I love. Yes. Uh, four minutes. Seven minutes. Okay. Seven minutes. I liked, though, that you knew you knew where I was going. You yeah, knew that, yeah, was, yeah, yeah. that my point being that it got that less the bad than movies, the beaver. Yeah. <laughs> the bad movies they 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 like. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, Fahrenheit 9-11. Michael Moore's documentary Fahrenheit oh, 9-11, which I believe won the Palm d'Or that year. Uh, Fahrenheit 9-11. 35 minutes. <laughs> Again, your instincts are right. 20 minutes. Okay. What? <laughs> 20 minutes. Can loves Michael Moore. Bowling for Columbine got like 15 minutes. Oh, Bowling for Columbine's funny and good. Uh, Fahrenheit 9-11, 20 minutes. You know how long that is? I- impossibly long. That's a, that's a sitcom without the commercials. Impo- that's 20 minutes. That's it's 20 minutes they stood and applauded. That's so boring and so funny. But look, I mean, it, you know, Iraq was bad. What can I say? 20 minute clap. Why does Michael Moore not move to the Riviera? He would be he would be the fucking king of the world. Like he'd be the king of the Riviera. Because they yeah, love him in king. All right, working lives in Flint. Bro, yeah, baby. working class Mike yeah. lives in Flint. Right, um, drinking the water. Last but not least, uh, Pan's Labyrinth. Guillermo del Toro's Pan's Labyrinth. How long of a standing ovation? He was sort of. No, nah, he wasn't. He was sort of newer then, and this was his big thing. But maybe they didn't know it was good yet. Yeah, he, he had, uh, he had, had, they had Kronos. He I'm going to say five movie. minutes. Pan's Labyrinth currently has the record for the longest standing ovation it can for with 22 minutes. 22 minutes standing ovation. That's awesome. Currently, uh, the 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 record for the longest standing ovation. So. I don't wow. know. I I don't know what it, what was it. Pan's Labyrinth's really good. Yes, yeah, sure. A lot. It's can. Every movie, almost every movie is really correct, good. Correct. You know, um, 22 minutes. I don't know. There was a ton at, at when that movie came out. It was the hottest thing in the world. And it was like, it was, it was, cin- it was. It was cinema it was. files like, yeah. thing because it rules. But like it was the thing. But what was interesting is I guess it was just so good in the room. I guess they just kind of they were all buzzing about Guillermo and they just yeah, they were just buzzing about him. And then it's so beautiful and violent and 22 and so that's so long. I don't know. Who I knows? almost wonder if there was a I mean, and also like who goes down. It also see here's there's some technicalities where they like I, re- I read about how they measure this. So literally they wait until the last person stops clapping. So you <laughs> so can put a ringer in there. Minutes, but then there was like you can put a ringer yeah, in yeah. there and beat Pan's Labyrinth. If you got one guy standing up clapping, it, even after everyone else has left the theater. Like filibuster cans <laughs> with the Pan's Labyrinth. Said clap. Ted Cruz in there. That is He'll so clap fun. for for 40 minutes. He we got to go. Shit. We gotta go to Cannes. Can people even like get? How do we into get? The, how do we get into Cannes? In camp? competition, you can't like go to the screening. Listeners, if you know, if you know how 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 to get how to go to Cannes. I mean, we can certainly take think, a you know fly get in a plane and go there. I but just how want, do we, I just wonder if like only the 
buyers and the agents get to go to see the shows in competition? Or do they screen like the new Cronenberg like 10 times over the weekend? Yeah, and good question. Anybody can good go question. one of those things. I, I wish, I'm sure. Oh, but then, but maybe just the opening night one is the fancy one. And then yeah. they, you clap real long for that. I would love to go and I would love to know. So, uh, great segment. Thank you. That was uh, What Happened at Cannes. Great. No need for the outro music. Totally fine. Just ending it and moving on to the next segment. Where are my Susie Quattro heads at? I'm giving this one a four-minute standing ovation. <laughs> but what's the one with the Here Comes the Sun? Uh, who won the poll? Who won the poll? That one's <laughs> that's at 22 your favorite? minutes. That's, a, that's my favorite by far. Listen to this one again. I think All you're right. going to like it. Well, okay. <laughs> Here we go. Such a long lead-up. It's a fucking waste of time. People are busy. Standing O's in the south of France. What happened at Cannes? Day drinking with David Lynch. What happened at Cannes? Palm d'Or. Three times. Nine. Palm d'Or. Palm d'Or. What happened at Cannes? See, the brilliance of that theme song is the song is Can the Can, and I sneak in what happened at Can into the line Can the Can. Wait, you said that that's, what, that's the what? The genius? Uh, yeah, the genius of it is, is, that that, is, said, is how I squeeze is? so many extra syllables almost seamlessly into the chorus of Can the Can. Let's talk about Ray. Let's talk. <laughs> the movie Ray. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Tim Heidecker here. We have a brand new Office Hours that just came out of the oven. We've got legendary psych rocker Ty Siegel. And Doug is back from down under. G'day. G'day. And his mommy came with him. Mommy and Gary Lusenhop are here, too. Alicia let me know that she finished the White Album, has thoughts on that. So much more on this legendary episode of Office Hours. Find us on your podcast app of choice or watch us on YouTube at youtube.com slash office hours live. Who are the animals? Because I don't smell them. I've really fallen in love with Ray Liotta over the last um, 10 years. I think the latter part of his career, what ended up being the latter part of his career, uh, he just found this sort of new style, this new dynamic, the, a kind of more world-weary version of the heavy or the tough guy, uh, something more sort of sad and soulful in these these later performances. Um, and I had really, really, he had really become one of my favorite actors, no no joke. Uh, and, uh, it, and it was starting with one of the movies we're looking at uh, today, Killing Them Softly, um, seeing his kind of vulnerability in that movie and like his sort just the, the, the sort of sadness and like patheticness of that character and how sort of willingly he leaned into that and found some really interesting things in an otherwise very sort of masculine, you know, you know, kind of neo-noir crime movie. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I, I thought he was fantastic in that. And then and then just never missed from then on anything I saw him in Marriage Story, uh, Many Saints of Newark, which we're also watching today. Um uh, no sudden move. The Soderbergh movie has a small but really great role in that. He's always uh, so God if, bless. Anytime he pops up, yeah. I'm thrilled. Yeah. And though throughout his career, he gets sort a majority of his career. I feel like he's playing these mob mob adjacent toughs 
or you know hitmen not hitmen but like you know mobsters kinds of thing but he always changes it up he always brings a fully new realized character he's not yep. Ray Liotta's doing another mobster yep. he always builds like a full guy I love him in these two films and they're great examples of the range even within sort of where Hollywood placed him more often than not yeah um, I feel like he was underrated but I also feel like he was underutilized despite him having a wonderful back end to his career and having lots of different parts and people understanding he's funny and, and dynamic and has range um I would or I he always brings so much to every performance and I you could really put him in anything and I'd love to have seen him in more now I haven't seen the whole catalog and I'm excited to kind of take this moment to keep going back into the, his catalog and seeing where they yeah. put him and how he got to play on the screen because he's uh, always happy to see him. Goodfellas is one of my favorite movies ever and in no small part because Ray Liotta is a wonderful leading man in that, a centering force and uh, it gives an incredible performance and it's been said a million times but it really is worth saying again because it's a, you know the best. It's a yeah. total fucking triumph. Yeah. One of the best performances and one of the best movies ever and, and you're so right. I loved him it later in life, and I loved him in these two films. Absolutely. Loved him in these two films. And if you go back and look, I mean, a really interesting career, too, because I think in the 90s, coming off of Goodfellas, uh, and this is when I was growing up and the really what I saw, I mean, they, he, uh, he he was like a A-list kind of box office movie star throughout the 90s. Um, I, I don't think ever really found like a big, huge box office hit, but um, was like... I remember movie No Escape, which is like a big time sort of big budget action thriller he was in about like a prison island. It was like a sci-fi thing. But that was like a big Ooh, budget thing. That. No that Escape. Sounds good as shit. Uh, uh, they also tried him in, you know, rom-coms and he did very well. Yeah. Karina Karina, of course, with Whoopi Goldberg. Um, so this is a guy with a lot of range. Yes. That has played that has been sort of, you know, uh, at every level of of a Hollywood career. Um, and like we said, we're going to specifically look at sort of the later part of uh, Leo's career today with these two movies. Um, I one time had the pleasure of uh, doing audio for a Ray Liotta Q&A. You may know this. We went, uh, Alex and I went down to the uh, Austin Television Festival, ATX. It was an, an other, otherwise regrettable yeah, weekend. That's <laughs> right. Grueling weekend of, um, of uh, running between venues in downtown Austin uh, oh. uh, and to do, to, to sort of tweak uh, XLR cables and and so forth, but uh, the highlight of the weekend was getting uh, was being there for a Ray Liotta Q and A, um, and he was that was that might have been kind of the start. I think I I loved him in Killing Them Softly, some other things, but then seeing him talk, I was like, this guy is just fucking gold, man. This guy is just true blue. He is like he he was a couple things I remember. He had. Uh, legit, like stunning sexual tension with at least one audience member. It was a Q and A, so people were asking questions, and just like real, like almost, almost like otherworldly sexual tension with 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 at least two jealous. Yeah, I mean, incredible. Um, he was so like uh, grateful and enthusiastic about his career. Yeah, you know, he had I no know. sort of malaise about nice it. Guy. He was just so. Um, he just had such enthusiasm for the work and being an actor and he loved movies and he loved TV. The third thing I remember is, and I, this is the great regret now that we, that we lost Ray and we don't have any more, you know, work from him is that he begged in this Q and a, he begged Hollywood. He like looked into camera and was like, let me do more comedy. I want to yeah. do more comedy. Yeah. He's like, I can do it. He's like, put me in the right context. And it's funny cause he started That's out, I mean, I'm something saying. wild is a comedy and like, and it's just like the, it's to me, the funniest performances in comedies are 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 like 
performances by great actors who are just act, who are just doing very good acting, very intense, yeah. almost dramatic acting. Elizabeth Moss uh, in, exactly. in the square. Thank you. And the comedy comes from the context yeah. and the way they're set up. Um, Marriage Story is a great example of that. He's very funny in a Marriage Story. Uh, but it's doing the the same kind of performance he always does. It's just the context makes it comedic. And so he is he could have been so great in so many comedies. Um yeah. But at least we got a couple. Uh, so God bless Ray Liotta. Yep. Uh, let's kick it off with Killing Them Softly uh, from 2012. Written and directed by Andrew Dominic, um, a uh, New Zealand-born Australian filmmaker. Uh, you probably also know him uh, directing The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, which also stars Brad Pitt like this movie does. Uh, he directed a couple episodes of Mindhunter. Um, wow, I didn't know that. A pretty interesting, uh, a very interesting director. Always, always taking risks, working within familiar genres, the western, neo noir, serial killer stuff. But, but doing, bringing an experimental art house mindset to, to otherwise familiar genres. Uh, this movie is based on the 1974 novel Kogan's Trade by George V. Higgins, who also wrote uh, the Friends of Eddie Coyle. Uh, I also I forgot to say I I, I mentioned this on the Weekend Bergman's uh, socials, but. Uh, I called. Uh, I said Ray Liotta was this generation's uh, Robert Mitchum, which uh, which I stand by. Someone who brought uh, a, a kind of poetic touch to the tough guy trope. Who mm. took that tough guy trope but added these layers of of kind of vulnerability and and sort of world weariness to it. Um, and uh, uh, Robert Mitchum, of course, was in the uh, film adaptation of The Friends of Eddie Coyle, which we'll probably watch on this on this podcast at some oh. point. Um, and particularly the later parts of their career. You watch late Mitchum, mm-hmm. very similar to late Leo. Um, cool. I love fi- Mitchum. Mitchum is incredible. Uh, yeah, we'll definitely have some Mitchum, Night of the Hunter. Night of the Hunter at some point is on this, awesome. On this podcast. Uh, this film also stars Brad Pitt, James Gandolfini, Scoot McNary, Ben Mendelsohn, Richard Jenkins, Sam Shepard. Come on. What a cast. What a cast. This was fun. What a cast. What a fun cast. Hey, when you do a neo-noir, all the boys want to come out the cosplay. Boys. They all want to cosplay. Get, they all want to get dressed up. They all want to the do the little voice. Out. They all yeah, want to get, you know. You know, uh, you know, you can see him. You can just, you can just see Matt Damon at home, just fucking stewing, <laughs> just stewing in his own shit yeah. that he wasn't get, didn't get didn't the get call Mendelsohn's for killing part. them softly. Yeah, um, this film was surprisingly very successful. Budget fifteen million, box office thirty eight million. So it, it made yeah. its money back. Pit uh, with a gun on the poster. It's going to make thirty eight million. The poster is killer. The yeah. poster. I remember an incredible trailer yeah. with the Johnny Cash song yeah. uh, "The Man Comes Around," which also plays in the movie. Um, a really great trailer. Really great poster. I think they were hoping for more award season uh, accolades that did not come, uh, but basically yeah. double uh, over, more than doubles its money at the box office. All right, enough of that. Joe, uh, in 60 seconds, please uh, tell us, summarize, killing them softly. One second. Here we go. Getting that old phone ready. All right, ready? Mm-hmm. Here we go. A criminal hatches a plan to hire two guys to go in and bust up uh, an illegal card game and knowing he won't get in trouble because the person who ran the card game played by Ray Liotta has previously tried to steal or uh, broke into or threatened his own game in a previously. So they're like, they're going to blame Ray Liotta no matter what. So they go in, they steal all the money, they drive away. But that's where the movie starts, folks, because they hire 30 seconds, Ben, uh, Brad Pitt to go and hunt the two guys down. And uh, the three guys down that did the crime, which he does. And along the way, he hires 
James Gandolfini for some great scenes. He sits in a car with Richard Jenkins, who is sort of the business connection, sort of the guy, the connection to the bosses. Ten seconds. And at the end, he successfully and coolly, it's Brad Pitt, pulls off uh, all the murders and gives a little speech about America and Obama, and that's the end of the movie. There it is, 60 seconds. Wow, you're a true master of the 60-second Thank you. That was a, I I fumbled out the gate there, but I hope everyone enjoyed the summary. You keep an eye on the clock, though. You keep an eye on the clock. I respect the clock. Yes, yeah. You could see, you know, you could see how much time you had left. I could see you kind of like, oh, I got to speed up. Uh, But by the end, I mean, you really got to all the main points there. Thank you. this movie's a real love-hate for me. Uh, there's so much I like about it and so much I don't like about it. I can't wait it. to hear what you hated about it. Okay, great. Let's start with the opening scene then. Um, uh, we can, just after the opening credits, uh, I remember this opening scene, uh, the first time I saw this movie and on the most recent watch, which we watch these movies with fresh eyes every week. We have to. This opening infuriates me. Really? Infuriates uh, I, I, like, me. forget. Like, let's see, let's see, let's see what me. you're so mad about. Infuriates me. It is just... Look at me, art house nonsense. It's the worst of oh the gosh. worst of the art house. Wow, wait, I can't here. wait to, to right. see what you're talking about. Yeah. I, I, I would love. I just, don't. I don't remember feeling anything. Hey, Andrew, send me the send me the fucking raw footage. I will re-edit this for you. Please send it over. Send mm. it over. America. I say to the people of America. moment is our chance to enough to make of our own lives what we will it is that pushes us forward the american promise alive is that promise that's always set this country apart. I'm sorry I'm not it's a promise that says we, each I, of us... Oh, right. I'll sorry, catch, sorry no, it's a podcast. I, we will right. catch you well, up. Do, it's okay. We will catch you, you up. Hear, I'm so mad. You hear it in, so and out, mad. in and out. That's not the podcast. That's the movie. I'm so mad. Okay, we can And there's there. a big McCain and Obama posters behind them as he, as he slowly walks So, out. Sorry, yeah. Here is the elements of that opening scene. Incredible shot. Incredible shot. You have Scoot McNary... In a fucking sheerskin denim jacket, looking sort of gaunt and just beaten down, a lifetime criminal who's gonna die eventually, um, just hoping hoping for something, but you know he's never gonna get there, right? He's walking out of this dark warehouse, silhouetted into this trash strewn, trash strewn post Katrina New Orleans kind of landscape, right? Gorgeous shot, gorgeous shot. Okay, that's great. I love that. Number two, you have this um, uh, Obama uh, like getting close to the election speech, right? Like two weeks before the election, um, uh, classic Obama two thousand eight kind of speech, right? Right in his pocket, right? Back when Obama was just throwing a hundred. But here, okay, I don't even know where to begin. So first, so I want to hear it. throughout the movie, you have uh, we are like. Leaving the Bush years, about to enter the Obama years, and specifically, um, there's a lot of focus on the recession and and the kind of the the economy is bottoming out. 
you have all these, and throughout the movie, you have all of these little sound bites that come into the movie of either Bush talking about how, like, it's not that bad, <laughs> trying desperately to kind of, like, you know, gird his own legacy as he's leaving and leaving the country in shambles. And then you have Obama, very much hope and change, 2008 Obama, kind of giving us a vision for the future. So you have all these sound bites that come in and out that provide some context. But for the rest of the movie, it is all in in mostly all in diegetic sound, meaning it's in the world of the movie. So it's like a TV or a passing car radio or this or that. It's in the world of the movie. It's like snippets coming in and out, which I like. Here, we have no source for the audio. It's just like pounded into our head from nowhere, right? On top of that, it constantly cuts in and out in these glitchy sort of like half things, right? And then on top of that, you have a very like glitchy black screen credits that keep flashing in and out. So... He takes what could have been a gorgeous opening sequence of Scoot McNary walking through this trash-strewn New Orleans, and maybe you get a little bit of the Obama speech, but it just sort of floats in, and instead it's the most heavy-handed, like, director, look at me, like, look at what I can do moment, and it's just, it's, it's, it's chaos, it ends up being sort of meaningless to me, and I remember being so angry because I wanted, like, I wanted some, like, like... I don't mind a little bit of, of, of like, you know, st- stylized a little bit, but to be this stylized out of the gate was like very, I just, I was just, I, I, I had no room to live in the movie. I was very mm. uncomfortable. Mm. I felt very alienated mm. and it just felt like a director just showing off in my face. I did not like it at all. And then here's the kicker. By the end of that sequence, by the end of the opening credits, I resigned myself to the, to the fact that I said, fine, if this is the movie, let it be the movie. I'll I'll try to buy into this version of this movie. There is nothing in the rest of the movie like that. Nothing like that. Everything else is fairly naturalistic. There's some little stylistic touches with the soundtrack and so forth, but nothing else has that level of of heavy-handed stylization as that opening. I hate that opening. I think you're right, but this podcast is about being honest. Yes. And if you think it's cool, it's fine. Uh, what? Thank you. When I saw when when I pressed play on the movie, and I saw that, I was like, "Oh, because you know, because I had just watched Many Saints of Newark, which we'll get to." Oh, interesting. I watched it, the opposite. Direction. Okay, so I, I watched the opposite. Direction. Many, we'll get to Many Saints, but you know, this opening was different for a mob movie or a crime film. And it immediately called attention to just, you know, it kind of made me, I was kind of scatterbrained putting, pressing play on the movie and sort of like in my house trying to do this. And then I pressed play and then I was like, whoa, oh, I got to like pay attention to this one. Like, wait, what's going on? Like, it was a little weird and I was a little like, it was, it's, it's, it's bad, weird Mm -hmm. and bad, weird always makes me kind of like sit forward and be like, oh, okay. And this guy is heavy handed. Assassination of Jesse James is a good movie, but this guy obviously loves his stupid bullshit. He does. And it's a stupid bullshit that I like. Unlike, um, you know, there's other guys that do stupid bullshit like Yangos, Lorthimos, you know, all of his stupid bullshit. Director of the Lobster? Yes. Jesus. A bad okay, movie. we're going to have to talk about that. Um, a C minus. Jesus. But, um, you know, his stupid bullshit I is, hardly know is you. his stupid bullshit is like so grating and dumb and like hipster horseshit. But this was like, 
kitschy and like uh, and shocking and sort of like what? Well, what? And though the Bush financial Obama thing was ultimately, I believe, heavy handed in this film, there's something nice about uh, somebody just being like, fuck you. This is about the recession. This is about the the, you know, uh, about this is about politics and crime. And, and that's what it is about. And I kind of was like, OK, take take me on this ride. Take I me love on this ride. I love the context of the recession, but I like it as this subtle in the background sound bites coming in and out in the world of the movie, in the world of the movie. This is how can I compare it? this last night? I, I totally last yeah, night. Mm-hmm. Game seven, the Eastern Conference finals, right? Yeah. yeah. Did you watch? Uh, yes, I did. Both those teams are trash. They're going to get Celtics are going to get crushed. <laughs> I, by also the like, I also like I also like, but uh, <laughs> they're both. So it bad. hurt my stomach, though. Like, it was it such did. like a roller coaster. It but was anyway, basically yeah. over. And then the heat. After after just sucking so bad for so long, and it's just 11 point, 11 nothing run. They come back into the game in the final yeah. seconds, right? They have a chance. They bring the ball down. They're down by two. Jimmy Butler's bringing the ball down. He only has Al Horford between him and the basket, right? And yeah. Al, old Al, is backpedaling. Stinks. He's got the two points. He's got the two points for the tie. Probably a foul. But probably with a foul. Maybe a three-point play. He's definitely got two in that Absolutely. scenario, right? It's a There's one-on-one. No one's behind One-on-one on one between Jimmy Butler. And Al Horford. In his prime and Al Horford, right? Instead, he pulls up for a three to take the lead. He got greedy, clanks off the front of the rim, game over, season over, no longer in the finals. This is right? an amazing here is what I Here's why I think that is relevant because it is Andrew. You had the two points. You had more than two points. You have what what could have been a one of the most stunning opening sequences in film history. That shot of Scoot McNary wa- walking out of the warehouse with the trash. See, this the is why most stunning. Get plus. So you can this, see, my, see my reaction. This, but you're only mocking it because he gets in the no, way of it. Mocking you because, because he like, gets in the way of, of the it. greatest sequences of all time. It could have been is my point because he gets in the way of it. That shot of Scoot McNary is gorgeous. Yeah, gorgeous. But he keeps stepping on it. He keeps getting in his own way. He tried to go for three when he had two points sitting right there in front of him, and he clanked it off the front of the rim. Game over, Andrew Dominic. I adore the comp, and I'm actually going to co-sign the comp, and I'm going to say that's exactly what happened. But you know why Jimmy shot the shot? Yeah. Because winners fucking win. (laughs) And shooters, they fucking shoot, Brett. No, I know Andrew had to take his shot, but somehow, but you can tell like he shot his shot on this opening sequence and then somebody stepped in and was like, okay, you can't do it. You can't do it anymore <laughs> because there's nothing else in the rest of the movie like that. It's a totally different affect or effect, yeah. but thus I found it's totally different, but there, there were other moments of hyper stylization like Ray Liotta's death, you know, oh, so which good. is incredible. So I'm, right. I'm glad you're you agree. Right. You're right. But, but, but it's completely different. It's completely different Effective than stylization. Because also the other thing is we don't know this guy. We don't know this movie. We don't know. Like it gave it a nice dystopian oh, a beginning. Heavy handed dystopian. The movie is a bit heavy handed. Which is which I found almost in, enjoyable this time. You know, I don't always find it enjoyable. This time, this movie's heavy handedness, which was it was bookended by it. Yeah. That bizarre, fun, dystopian, stupid, Not fun, fun, grating, grating, fun grating. opening yeah. that is like, okay, fine, bitch, I'll watch the fucking movie. No, you got no, me. Here no. I go. The only reason you do that mm-hmm. is when you don't have the when you're shots. not confident when you don't have the shots. Okay, right? Yeah, yeah. When you made the but that's the, why it's fun. You made he the, has snowman, the shots, and then you hand and it over to Thelma Schoonmaker, and you're like, please do something with this. Please. <laughs> Do something I forgot with this, about that, right? Yeah. But this movie, you had the shot. Just show That's the shot. That's why it's fun. Just show the shot. Thank you for figuring out why it's fun. Is because 
it's not like he's like, you know, I hate when people are covering their bad tracks, like you're saying. But in this one, he had the he decided to ruin his beautiful shot with the super stupid fun beginning. And it made me sit up to attention and it gave me a nice flavor of, OK, it really was bad. I'm with you. Let's go. Let's do it. I tell you what, without exception, and let's see m- movies tell you what they are in the first. Minute. Maybe if so I many saw movies, it, mm-hmm. this this is the classic example, but so many movies. I see the poster. I see the trailer. Mm. I'm so excited. I mm. think I know what this is going to be. I'm like, mm. oh, I think maybe you did it with this one. I think maybe with this one you did, you did it, Andrew. And then one minute in, I go, oh, nope, you didn't. That's so interesting. Didn't I didn't you feel didn't that way. It. I bet if I, I feel like if I watched it in 2012 when it came out, it would have felt like, is this guy motherfucking serious? But now we have, we've had enough time. I feel like, um, I believe you when you say Maybe I didn't watch deal. it with fresh eyes. No, 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 no. Maybe I, I had too I much gar- baggage. No, I guarantee you, you did. I'm just saying, I, I, I bet if I was there in 2012, it would have been like, got it, bro. But now, you know, 10 years later, it's like, oh, this guy's, you know, being a director in my face. Like, okay, fine. You win. Like, show me your movie. Let's go. But here's the thing that saves Andrew Dominic and saves this movie. Um, and why... What, it is so bad. You found it so grating that the movie needed to be saved? Oh, I hate that intro. I hate okay, that uh, opening. Well, what, what happened? That is when like did it win you back? Exhibit A of, of art house you know, pointless but self-indulgence. It's, so, it's pointless. Fine, fine. I, I, I know you're right, but there was something fun about it fine. to me. Okay. The the cast and the performances are phenomenal. Amazing. This movie. Phenomenal, phenomenal. You when have did one, he, of, the, you you have one of the best. Did you, did you get back on board 100% ever? Or were you always like keeping this movie at, at arm's length? I almost, I'm tempted to like, I, I can't do it because it's in the movie. And it's the beginning of the movie. But I literally want to just like forget the uh, intro okay. because I'm back on board in the next scene. I know. When Ben Mendelsohn walks up to he Scoot is, McNary. This is my favorite And then ben they just Mendelsohn. start acting and talking. So and we're in the world of the movie. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is what I thought I was signing up for. I, okay. Andrew, back off, baby. Back off. I, th- I found his uh, stupid bullshit to be charming. And I was like, okay. All right, here I am. I'm watching. So many good performances. Really quick before we get into them. Um, I was struck by watching these two movies because these are both very like masculine crime movies, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, Many Saints of Newark, Many Saints of Newark has a couple good roles for women. Vera Farmiga, for example, um, as Livia. Uh, uh, and Josepina. Thank you very much. Yes. Um, Thanks. Uh, Killing Them no. Softly. Killing Them Softly has, I don't think there's any. Um, no, just the the very funny or sad scene with the hooker. Sex that was worker. the only woman yes, in the only literally the only woman the only in the entire, one entire movie, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but so I was like, so no, it didn't pass like, the Bechdel test. It did not. But I was like, <laughs> but fine. But it didn't even like qualify to qualify for the Bechdel. Didn't enter the competition. Um, but I was like, fine. We're watching these two movies. Let me think this week. Let me think about these movies and about like male performance in these movies. And this, uh, I was very drawn to the fact that I in these movies, and this is why I love Ray Liotta so much, is that I think some. Some actors in these movies seem uh, very authentic, and some seem like they're cosplaying. Some yeah. seem like they just like in both films. Yes, in, in both, any in mob both movie. films, right? Mm-hmm. That they they're like, ooh, they can't wait to fucking. They can't wait to do the. They mob can't thing. wait to talk, like use the phrases yeah, and pull can. the gun out of their so waistband. Much in Newark. They can't. Oh, Newark in, in is Newark, more of, they, they do it a bunch. Which all right, let's start with killing them softly. Which, if any, actors do you think are cosplaying, and which do you think give authentic performances? Okay, Mendelssohn, who's not doing a mobster, he does an Australian. He's doing a scumbag. Thing. Yes, he is incredible. The, the, the best, the best Mendelssohn. Incredible, incredible, incredible. Brad Pitt He's does so sweaty. He's he, so sweaty. <laughs> it was my favorite performance of his ever. It's the best. It and was that's saying so something. good. Yeah, I thought Scoot was really good. Scoot's great. The gentleman who is great in a lot of films, whose name I don't know, the guy who plays Squirrel. Great, not plays cosplaying. Johnny Sack and Sopranos. Not cosplaying. I'll find his name. Um, yeah. 
not cosplaying. Uh, Gandolfini, obviously not cosplaying. Oh, Gandalf. Uh, no, and we'll get to, arguably we'll, we'll, the best Gandolfini. We'll, we'll get to all these. Yeah. Uh, Gandolfini. In film, sorry. I'm not you know, getting yeah. Tony Soprano. Yeah. No, the best Gandolfini in film is the sexy little movie he does with Julia Louis-Dreyfus. But <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah. Enough said. Or whatever. What is that movie called? Whatever. So then. Um, I'm going to look all this stuff up. Sexy little movie. Oh, what it's is so, it? He's what so sexy it? in it. And so is she, obviously. But yes. he's so charming. Um, so Gandolfini, such a simple name. not cosplaying. Enough um, said. Enough, enough said. said. Okay, enough great. said. And from 2013. Okay. A year after this. Brad Pitt does his, like, I'm the cool guy cowboy thing to perfectly, obviously. I buy always. it. I buy Brad I Pitt. Buy I, Every, I buy Brad I, I Pitt. Love Pitt. I he love seemed, Pitt. He's like, you'd think he would be the one cosplaying yeah. because yeah, yeah. No. Brad Pitt in real life is like hippie i own a vineyard let's talk about architecture no. uh but he uh, i buy brad pitt in this so movie i'm boring down into something yes um here which is like i, I and ray liotta not cosplaying at all and oh, you want to talk about absolutely not cosplaying. no he he's he's ray so lives it he's so um he's in the he's so soft this movie. Yes. that's the beauty of liotta yes. is he's so he he's able to bring such humanity yes to his to his mobsters and criminals, and 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 he has great laughs in this movie, like always, and he has great he's laughs so in funny. Newark. He's so funny, he, Hollywood. You he, fucked up. He is such comedies. good. At, he's so good at laughing. Yeah. So Brett, I'm I'm trying to walk down this road with you, but I who what fraud am I? Who's cosplaying and here's killing my, them here's softly? My, here's my one cosplay, and it's Jenkins? so funny. No, not Jenkins. No, Jenkins, Jenkins, Jenkins is like the, the accountant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sam Shepard, I think, is cosplaying. I think uh, Sam Shepard. Yeah. <laughs> but he's for like no, one second. No, I think yeah, Sam no. Sam got the call. Yeah. He's like one day yeah. of work, and I get yeah. to be like a a New Orleans heavy. Yeah, yeah. He walks in, he rolls up his sleeves. Yeah. He's got a gun that he doesn't use. Yeah. He Sam Shepard is having the cosplay yeah. fucking weekend of his life in this movie. I think it's worth um my looking only, sorry, at okay, good. Real quick. My only question yeah. have you ever watched the Pelican Brief? Yeah. We gotta watch Pelican Brief yeah. on this on this on this, on this uh, podcast. In the Pelican Brief, Sam Shepard plays like a like sexy professor mm-hmm. who's like dating his student mm-hmm. Julia, Julia Roberts, and mm-hmm. then it gets blown up in a car. <laughs> Good. My yeah, only good. question for the audience: I'm gonna put this as a Twitter poll: Is he cosplaying harder in Pelican Brief <laughs> or in killing them, <laughs> killing them softly? Does uh-huh. does in his mind yeah. is like his ideal like version of himself? Yeah, the sexy. Uh, and wait, that takes place in New Orleans too, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay. So is he the sexy New Orleans professor, law professor, or is he like the New sexy. Orleans heavy yeah. who like goes Bad to the Lieutenant. trailer park to beat up fucking yeah. Ray Liotta? Cool. Which one is 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 Sam Shepard? Famous, iconic playwright <laughs> Sam yeah. Shepard. Which one is he uh, cosplaying harder in? I think the Let pl- us know. I think the playwrights in general struggle. Tracy yeah. Letts, I'm calling you out, buddy. Oh, phenomenal! I, I disagree hard. I'm not saying Ford versus Ferrari, winning time. He's killing it as an actor. Thank you very much, Ford versus Ferrari, which is a great film that Brett and I both co-sign as a great film. Wait, we, this we, is the f- wait, wait. I'm yeah. learning about this first on the yeah. pod. I told you to watch Ford yes, versus I, Ferrari. I watched it immediately after you told me. It's great, right? It's charming as it's hell. Great. Okay, we'll talk. Charmed my we'll pants. Talk. We'll talk. Right off. Right. It's a great movie. That scene in the should've, it should have won Best Picture. That no, year. honestly, <laughs> no. Wait, 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 was wait. that the Green Book year? Yeah. Wait. All right. Yeah. It, uh, then it probably should have. Ford vs. Ferrari. You know what? Everybody listening to the pod is, Look, is Googling it right now. No, let's, string let's, me let's up, do. crucify me, go watch the movie, okay? No, Ford vs. Ferrari film. is phenomenal. It's a charming film. And Tracy Letts gives a, a very nuanced performance oh, of Henry Ford III. These playwrights get away with murder with their acting. Very nuanced. Because here's the thing about Ford vs. Ferrari. They show you that, that scene in the trailer of when, like, Matt Damon, like, uh, drives him in the car. And he drives really fast. And then Henry Ford, like, doesn't know what he's in for. And they play it very hackneyed in the trailer. Yeah. In the movie, there's a 
you are not you don't know what's coming at the end of that scene. That that scene is way more nuanced than than the trailer gives it credit for. Ford versus Ferrari underrated. Wait, it wasn't even nominated. Wait, what, what year was it? Uh, it was, was it even nominated? nominated? That, was, that, that's when they're doing the ten best pictures. It was definitely nominated for best picture. Okay, I have the 2020 um, nominees for best picture. Please, please, just for folks, just to go back in time. And we, you've seen all these ones, so shout yeah. them out. Oh, Brett, uh, it's a, it shouldn't have won best picture this year. All right. Okay, okay, okay. Sorry. Okay, in retrospect, uh, it should not have won best picture right. in, in 2020. Apologies, apologies. Um, not. I'll, I'll read off some ones that it should have been. Okay. Movies that stink: 1917, Joker, Little boring, Women, boring. Jo- Jojo Rabbit. All those movies. Marriage Story. All those movies fucking stink, despite Leota being great. But there are some of the best movies ever, including uh, Parasite, The Irishman, and Once Upon a Time oh, okay, in Hollywood. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let, let us, I yeah, need yeah. to go on record. Ford vs. Ferrari is no, not, not better than Parasite. It's not better than Parasite. Nor is it better than The Irishman, nor is it better than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But it's a charming flick that I had a lot of fun watching, and it's not bad at all. It it's, was, it's, it's, good. It's, it's a good movie. It's, it's just a, It's fun. What I like, what I was, it's just a movie you don't get anymore, which is, which is like, yeah, just which a story. is generic men having a business, generic, predictable storytelling at the highest fucking yeah, level, at fun. the highest fucking level. Good. It's so good. I'm glad we took time out of our radio right. tribute to just talk about Ford versus Ferrari <laughs> and shit on the other movie he was yeah, in, in the year. <laughs> it's not good. Right. Uh, and neither's little women. Both movies stink. I bet they laid in bed at night having sharing bad ideas. Let's look at some. Let's look at some Leota. All right. Let's go to uh, fifteen forty-five. The initial robbery that Joe mentioned that kind of kickstarts the plot of this killing robbery softly. is great. Yeah, it's such a great. It, it reminds me of. I th- I was really impressed by this movie. I don't think I was going in with a ton of high expectations. Um, I don't know why. I love Assassination Jesse James. I don't know why. Just, you know why? Because it came and it went and it is, nobody talks yes. about it anymore. So I was like, okay, what is this little movie all about? Yeah, and I actually fair, found it riveting. Fair. And I found this scene to be uh, really gripping and scary. And I love, not to spoiler alert, that Please. they don't like shoot, kill anybody. Like they get away with it. They do. I found that. I mean, and that sets up the movie. But like it was tension filled. And Leota is awesome in this He's scene. So I'm excited good. to watch. He's so Sorry. good. Yeah. Uh, go ahead and start. Yeah. And so. Um, Scoot McNary and Ben Mendelsohn are coming into this uh, card game with pantyhose over their head, and they got shotguns. It, the pantyhose whole never thing. seems like enough to me in crime movies, and they always are. It's a whole thing. Um, I went very hard on the intro. I have to be clear. This is a this is the ultimate love hate movie for me. I, lo- I I either love it or I hate it like moment to moment. This scene I love. That's it's great. So that's good. interesting. I actually really loved. This movie, I thought it was, despite the heavy, and I, again, the financial thing is a bit much, but I, I loved it. I loved it. Sometimes you just Joe gotta be a bit Joe, much. Joe, sometimes you gotta be a bit Joe, much. Joe, Joe, They play the song Heroin over a scene where they're shooting heroin, okay? <laughs> yeah. I it's, hate sometimes this movie as much just as gotta I love it, and of, then I love it as much as I hate it. Oh, Here comes Ray Liotta. Uh, he was like I, in the right, bathroom or yeah. something. He comes back into the room, into the middle of the robbery. Oh, look, I love it. Come God, on. he is just. I thought the heroin part was kind of good, though. It's kind of stupid, but it's kind of works. It's on heroin. I find his, yeah, stu- his stupid little parts. I'm not saying it's the best movie I've ever seen. I'm just saying like I liked all. His- it's weird. It's a weird God, crime. Ray, Ray putting weird, his jacket on. It's a weird entry in the crime mob catalog. And I, I appreciate that. In many saints, I feel like they go back to they go back to the well so much, and and I like that too. But but I like this movie trying new things in the genre. And maybe they don't work. Who cares? God, Ray, one of the great faces of all time. The oh, instrument, he's, baby. He, the he, instrument. He, he's, he's in control. The instrument. Of, uh, 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 as an actor. He's wonderful. He is. He is. 
out of control in the scene. This is the beginning of the end for him, but he is in control as an actor. He is the center of everything. He's the thing you look at. He's the he's the magnetism. I love the set in this. I think that this movie does grimy. You want to know his Tra- choices. You're like you pay attention well. to his choices, every movement, every yeah, little I, you know, twitch. Yeah, because you're wondering the whole time: is he going to yes. pull out a gun here? Is exactly. he plan up his sleeve? No. But all he is, what I love about this performance, he's and, and he's worried about his guys. Absolutely. He's not quite Absolutely. worried about dying yet. He's worried about his friends at I, the card game. I love that he's like a criminal, but he's not Stop ruthless. That's such. Me. That's like end. That's late stage Leota in a nutshell. Is like a criminal, but not ruthless enough you to be a good criminal, and playing with that dynamic just. Just produced such good work from him. That doesn't have to happen. It shouldn't happen to you. He's trying to talk his way out of it. He's trying to talk his way out of it. I feel like there's a moment Mendelssohn almost bites. He does. Because he's ultimately like, here's the thing. Like, they say this earlier in the movie. Everybody likes. Leota's character. They all like him. He's like a nice, funny guy. And that really sh- that really comes through. Yes. So much so that he admits to them all that he robbed his own game at a certain no, he point. And they all and laugh they all at laugh. all. Because he's a nice fucking laugh. guy. You know? They love him. They hey, love hey, him. Hey. Get your fucking hands up! Everybody hates Ben Mendelsohn's character in the movie. Everybody loves Ray Leota's character. Well, Ben Mendelsohn's character is abhorrent. He, fuck, he literally fucks dogs. He's... <laughs> I know he was like, ha not I gonna, don't fuck dogs. He fucks dogs. That not, was 100% part of it. We're not going to get into this, but Ben Mendelsohn's character and James Gandolfini's character, which we will get into, are just are <laughs> disgusting human beings. Oh, they're so gross. That whole speech about, oh, I love, oh, I'll watch this scene, but I'm watching, we're watching the, the great Ray do his thing. But, uh, Ray just walking with a gun on his back is stunning. Yeah. Stunning. I love this scene. I'm honestly so sad that Ray's dead. This is like truly. He sad. looks so much older in Many Saints. Maybe they make him them up. Yeah. But it was a long ten years for Ray. I'm afraid it was a long ten years. And he, he's a very handsome guy. Obviously, he's a cool, cool looking motherfucker. But uh, he, he, it's it's shocking how much older he, he looks yeah. in Many Saints. And maybe he's in makeup or something. I don't know what I'm talking about. Marky Tratman is his character's name. Marky Tratman is such a good name. Nice. All right, you motherfucker, give it up right now. You got the money. Leave him alone. Hey, take out what Ray you got just like Ray, Ray has a very much like honor among thieves. Yeah, yeah, that's he's why. Like, I, he's yeah. like, we did the robbery. He's now like, go. You, you that's not how this works. We did the robbery. You take the money. You go. You don't take more money than you than you deserve. You just take the money and you go. Hey, don't hit really. Ray got hit by Ben Mendelsohn. I hate it. I hate money out of your pockets and put it on the table. Nice and fucking slow. This part was scared me because he's like pushing it, like he's pushing yes, it. And I, I, I thought they were going to get gonna shot. Go wrong? I me thought too. somebody's going to pull out a gun. Stop fucking looking at me! Get your hands up! Not you yet! Get your fucking hands up! And that's again, you know, you know, art house versus mainstream. They they hint at uh, these little genre conventions. They hint uh, at like a, a shootout's way. about to happen. Right, the easy way is to do with but these then two they guys ultimately don't play it that right, way. The hard way is to make us come around and all, which is going to make him nervous. Now you can sit there and act like you haven't got it in your sock or something, but then after me and because this movie honestly shares sure. a lot in common with the, the Seventh Seal. I mean, Brad Pitt is death. Brad Pitt is Anton Chigurh. He is he is death. You're not going to die right away in this movie. You're not going to die like in a hail of bullets. But you are going to die eventually because death comes to town right. and he's going to take his fucking too. skulls. Right, the less guys that get hurt, the better. So don't fuck like around. Lieutenant Aldo Ray. Exactly. He wants a scalp. He wants a scalp. So these guys, they aren't going to die now in some sort of 
hyper dramatic shootout, but they now have a. They now are marked for death. They've pushed it too far, and they're going to take other people down with them. All right, I think we can end it there. That's good. That's that's quite a scene. That's quite a scene. This movie has a very like end of America, end of civilization. Uh, we are on the verge of an apocalypse. Kind of. That's movie, why. That's right? why the the beginning. You know, people people might say. But it could Interesting. Have been so much better if he got out of his way. That's all I'm saying. I hate it because I want I see what it could have been. That's why I hate it so much. If it had just been bad, things are bad, that's fine. But it oh, it was a bad thing that could have been so good. I like big swings. Well I like when talented people take big swings. But if it's a miss, I gotta call it as a miss. That's, that's fine. what it was. Jimmy Butler took big swing. Uh, and that's why he's beloved. Let's look at let's get Brad Pitt in the picture here because although this is a Ray Liotta slash James Gandolfini uh, tribute, we mm. can't forget that Brad gives a really great performance in this movie. Uh, let's go to uh, twenty eight minutes in. Uh, so Brad Pitt is the sort of uh, the like he's the hitman. He's he's Anton Chigurh with a with like a little little more sort of uh, a little more sort of I guess normal version of Anton Chigurh. Not not as sort of. Um, as death-like, but he is he is the Grim Reaper in this movie. When he shows up, uh, you know people are going to die. Um, and this is him with Richard Jenkins uh, kind of talking about what has happened with the robbery and what's, what needs to be done about it. Uh, can we back up just like a little touch to sort of the beginning of this scene? So where do we go from here? What do you think? It could have been Travis. He could have decided to do it again. No one ever think he's dumb enough to do it twice. I know Marky. He's not that dumb. So as Joe alluded to in the summary, knew we did it before. They robbed this game in order to essentially frame Ray Liotta's character because he personally robbed his game previously. But it's such a transparent frame up that Brad Pitt sort of knows it's a frame up. I thought you believed him, my friend. But also knows that because has because. The appearance is that, he, that Ray Liotta robbed the game again. Everybody has to die. Yeah, Ray Liotta has to die. Like the to robbers have to die. Everybody's got to go. And there's no question about that, Brad Pitt said. He, and he's trying to convince yeah, Jenkins that let's not even beat him up. Let me just kill him and yes. spare him. Everybody loves yes. him. Yes. Let's just murder his ass. No need for the fucking build up to it. Jenkins doesn't listen. And they have a terrible beating the shit out of Liotta scene. That was upsetting to me as a big Liotta fan. So upsetting. But he plays it so well. I have a criticism of this scene. I have a criticism of a lot of movies between 2010 and Talk 2018, directed by m- men. What does that mean? What the fucking mumbling? Mm. It drives me Crap. fucking nuts. Turn it, those levels up, baby. I when I have to, like, I had to turn my fucking Talk subtitles on because I can't fucking Dude, hear. When every I, when movie I, these days. I every to, movie. When I have to do that, I'm like, guys, it's not cool. It's not interesting. It's not fun. And you know, I'm not gonna blame Jenkins around. here. There's the director directing. Don't hurt him. Too Poor bad. Jenkins is like, they, they were like Jenkins, mum, guys, mumble, mumble every line for us, would you please? And he was like, I guess, fine. Here's my theory, and it doesn't actually pan out because hate it. it's in What's this movie as well. But my theory is, every movie I watch these days at home, if he doesn't, they'll figure I cannot watch until it's dark out because the movies are dark as shit. And so unless it's dark out, I cannot see what's going on. Not afraid. And I cannot hear what the fuck is happening. I turn on subtitles for every goddamn movie I watch. Here's what I think is happening. I think Nolan, Christopher Nolan, his ilk, all these directors are so pissed off that their movies aren't being seen exclusively in movie theaters anymore. I think they're so mad about the streaming thing, uh, the on-demand thing. I think this is their revenge on the home viewer, a.k.a. me, because I have a fucking eight-month-old at home and I can't go to the fucking movie theater. Sorry. 
But it's their big fucking revenge Total against people who watch the movies at home. That like, well, you can watch it at home, but you're not going to hear anything and you're not going to be able to see anything. So fuck you. Agreed. At least though, when Nolan does it, he uses like the technologies available to create like Bane or like the Dunkirk, and it's like interesting and craftful. I feel like so many of these like you know, my movie's going to make between ten and forty million dollars at the you know box office when everybody goes to see it at you know the Angelica. Those directors. They just they don't even do the artistry technical thing. There's like, hey, everybody just fucking mumble. That's what acting is. And it's just so boring. And it only works if you're sitting in the theater. I live by the Burbank Airport. So I have to like turn up my movies all the time because there's planes going up. And this one I turned it all the way up to 100. Yep. yep still yep, could yep, not yep, hear yep. what the fuck they were yep, saying. Yep. Had to turn my subtitles on. I tried to watch The Northman at home. I might have been. I might as well have been staring into a fucking bucket. I could not. I could not <laughs> half that movie. I literally could not. I was like, I turned to Amy. I was like. I was like, can you see anything on the screen? Can you see, is this movie on right now? I can't see a goddamn thing. You know, like in an Altman, part of the joy is going, what are they saying? But that's not because they're, that's 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 they're not like turning, that's because they're not mumbling through the fucking movie. Oh, yeah. Um, let's, uh, let's get, let's get Gandolfini in here. Thank fuck. Uh, and let's, let's kind of bring some context to this dirty martini that I'm three fourths of the way through in case you can't tell. Um, well, if they got, it's just forever dog dot plus. It's $5 a month, and you can see Brett nursing his martini. You can see me looking like I'm in the Many Saints of Newark, and you can see all my facial expressions, all of Brett's facial expressions. Sometimes Brett's talking, and I'm making a face, and sometimes I'm talking, and Brett's his eyebrows are raised, and you're not going to get that nuance if you're not subscribing to Plus, $5 a month, foreverdog.plus. Three parts gin, one part dry vermouth, a half part olive juice, two olives. I love that. All my friends drink gin martinis i am a vodka martini guy folks and I'm, i love a gin martini but every but i've never ordered one recently in the past couple of years i go back I'm and a, forth. I'm a vodka martini my man. personal favorite is the vesper the james uh, mm-hmm. bond special which is more of like a sweet with a lemon twist you get it's lilit vodka and gin very cool uh, very but, cool very fun to say to the bartender but and I'm, very good, and you, you like them. And very that's fine. good, but I'm trying. This is a this is a martini that sort of punishes you, and I like that. And it's what James Gulf, James Gandolfini was drinking in this movie, as we'll see. Yeah, so yeah, I thought I want to be authentic. Yeah. I couldn't drink a Lillet in in character no, of James no, Gandolfini. No, no, that's fine. This guy's drinking the dirtiest fucking martinis the fucking airport bar. I just baby. want like I want like little shards of ice, like just hitting my lips, and, the, and it tastes not. It just it's just ice cold. Yeah, he looks like clean and cold. You would like it. With a blue cheese olive. You would like a blue cheese olive, folks. Uh, So 4830, 4830. So Gandolfini comes in halfway through this movie. This uh, Gandolfini minus Leota might be my favorite part of this movie because he is ends up being functionally useless in this movie. (laughs) He ends up serving no function. But he is a sort of aging hitman uh, from the tri-state area that uh, Brad Brad Pitt needs an extra hitman to because Brad Pitt has to ultimately kill uh, uh, he's trying to kill like three or four different people because they just got to wipe out everybody that had anything to do with this robbery uh, real or or imagined um, and so he says I need another guy and you know what you know who I want uh, bring in my old pal Mickey my old pal Mickey and Mickey presumably used to be a great hitman he is now nearing the end of his life he is tired he is on the verge of getting divorced for the third he's time. An, for the third and time, he's not he, happy about it. He's, he's still an, very much. He's an alcoholic. He's facing a weapons charge that's probably going to send him back to jail. Uh, he's just an. He's just a sad old addict, and he ain't got it. He ain't got what it takes anymore to knock the, knock somebody off. Um, and Brad Pitt in this scene, this first scene when he arrives in New Orleans, is going to realize that. 
All right, it's one beer. Gandolfini just slams the beer down. So they grabbed me down in Maryland on this gun thing. What gun thing? Well, it's going He's got two empty place. martinis in front of him. Mm-hmm. Two olives guy. apiece. Hasn't touched his olives. Cheers. Yeah, Very cool. No. Nice guy. Anywhere, going down to Maryland to hunt geese. Down to Maryland shore. And we go down there and uh, all of a sudden there's a couple hundred cops all over the place and I got the shotguns in the trunk. Fucking beautiful, hmm? Fucking shotgun. I just bought the fucking shotgun. I never even used it once. Now, boom, I'm under arrest. Felon in possession. I somehow so am, like, so in favor of gun control that I want there to be no guns, and I'm simultaneously, like, sympathetic to Gandolfini's plight in this, in this scene. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That this is, is the this power. Is, this, is, this is the one. That's this the, is the power of time. performance, baby. That's the power of acting. No, sir, you only wanted the one, I thought. What? You only wanted one drink, I thought. I'm drinking his beer. He's such a mean guy. He has no power left, so he just he can only punch down. He's mean to the wait staff. He's just a mean, cruel former mean to sex workers. He's a former person. He's an ex person. He doesn't he's gone. It's really sad. And Gandolfini crushes. Yeah, it's a really good performance. I can handle it. I love his third martini. So it's almost like this is like a little like side quest for the movie. Yes, and I really yes. like that. I, I do. I know. I, I, There's so much I, I like about this movie. Yeah, I think that that's so so fun. So you know, it's not just like just Pitt the whole time doing his thing. It's it, this, this this wastes like twenty minutes no. of Pitt's no. movie. You know, Gandolfini yeah, yeah. is I can't repeat enough useless in the movie. He serves no plot function. And Pitt knows it here, but he likes him, and he and he knows he used to do good work, and he wants it to work, and he doesn't want to go kill Squirrel. Because but there's this whole, there's this constant, there's a very honor among thieves thing that runs throughout this. That everyone yeah. sort of, <sighs> despite as like as depraved as Ben Mendelsohn, Scoot McNary, and James Gandolfini are, everybody, there's not like the meanness of most mob movies. Everybody kind of like doesn't want, do it twice before. nobody wants to kill anybody else. Everyone sort of wants to avoid that that happening. So or if you like have to be killed, they want to do it as like seamlessly as possible and not make you suffer and not make you humiliated. I think it's because not only is there honor amongst thieves, it's because Brad Pitt and stresses this at the end is a professional. Yes, um, he's not here to make a mess or to do anything other than make his bag. And everyone here is, you know, I think working is sort of the annoying thing about this movie, you know, that frame. You know, this is their job, and Pitt's really good at it because he's so tight and professional and careful. And Mickey is the the opposite, Um, and that's why Pitt eventually sends him back to prison by just letting him fall to his So Gandolfini, like, is not going to, this isn't going to happen, and Pitt eventually, like, sets him up, so he gets arrested and goes back to prison because he's the only way out of the situation. It's like Honor Among Thieves, it's like everyone wants to, like, follow this old school crime code, but... The code has collapsed, and so the code, like they're all trying well, I to think sort they're of make all, it and work. They're all bemoaning that. Yes, they yes. all they all miss that, and they reference it a couple times. Um, and they reference, um, I forget this. And you have this great 
that great move where like the big bosses are all off camera. You never see like the big bosses, the big in charge bosses. But you, you barely hear, see Shepard, who you, plays the biggest. You barely see Shepard. You barely like Jenkins is sort of the emissary between the big bosses like the and the people in the movie. But the big bosses, what you hear about them is like they're very corporate and they're squeamish about murder. And that's what yes, and exactly. everything has changed and everything. So it's like these old school criminals trying to maintain this honor among thieves thing. But now everything is sort of is sort of corporate and bureaucratic and mobsters went corporate. Yes. You know, and uh, Pitt and Jenkins bemoan that sort of they, the democratic nature of it. There's no five families. There's no Tony Soprano. There's Nobody sort in charge. Of these vague. It's like yeah. it's like your landlord. It's like someone yes. owns a bunch of buildings and you just send the check yes. into the ether. Somebody like, bought what? your building yeah. and then somebody like, bought it from them and somebody yeah. bought it. And it's from just them. like you send it to yes. a, a PO box in yes. Michigan. And you're like, I guess they're my. And landlord. that's where I think the American, like the analogy with 2008, uh, aka contemporary America, works is um, is uh, a, a sort of late stage capitalist bureaucratic wasteland without vision without uh, sort of recognizable leadership Mm -hmm. uh, just sort of a wasteland and the beginning of the end we can see in uh, many saints of Newark there we go so um I think we can stop this here. Yeah, we got to move. On. Speaking of many saints of Newark, can we uh, let's just get the final pit speech and then move on to many saints of Newark. So that's one thirty. Um, at this point, uh, Pitt has killed everybody, and he's come to collect his money. But the money's a little light, and Pitt ain't having that. Let's so this is him and Richard Jenkins in a bar on the night of Obama's inauguration. We have the inauguration speech in the background. Um, or I think it's election night. So it's his election night speech in the background. And then Pitt uh, gives a speech that more or less, it's that great moment, you know, this kind of a movie where like the themes have been hinted at and then you get a final speech that really hammers home the themes of the movie. Uh, so let's hear this final Pitt speech. Because he wrote the words, all men are created equal. Words he clearly didn't believe since he allowed Jefferson. his own children to live in slavery. Thanks, Brett. He was a rich wine snob who was sick of paying taxes to the Brits. So yeah, he wrote some lovely words and aroused the rabble, and they went out and died for those words. Well, he sat back and drank his wine and fucked his slave girl. I love it. Hammer. This guy fucking wants hammer Thomas Jefferson. Don't make me laugh. It's overrated yeah. fucking piece he of starts shit. He starts going in on agrarian republicanism. He's just really pro-federalist. This is like this is kind of like the intro yeah. in the sense that it's no, like this is this is the part this where this character doesn't know yeah. these things. There's no way. Uh, okay, oh, so, we missed sorry. the big line. Sorry, sorry, well, sorry. No, no, it's fine. Sorry, <laughs> Brian, go back. Sorry, go back. I had to hear the big line. I got to hear the big line. The big line. Sorry. Here we go. He sat back and drank his wine and fucked his slave girl. Yeah, fuck Thomas Jefferson. This guy wants to tell me we're living in a community. Don't make me laugh. I'm living in America. And in America, you're on your own. America's not a country. It's just a business. Now fucking pay me. Now fucking pay me saves it. Terrible song choice, though. Now Great fu- now line, fucking pay me terrible song I choice. Fi- I find that preamble more egregious than the opening scene. Fucking pay me is great. Fucking pay me saves fucking it. Fucking pay me is great. Because, like, I hate when they tell me, like, what it's about at the yeah. end. I hate that. I hate that. I From much, a character I'm, who doesn't, who would not know those things. Also, he hasn't been talking like that the whole entire yeah. movie. He's been saying, you know, nothing. That's what I mean. I'm not, no yeah. judgment on, like, now he gives character. Just like, about fucking we Thomas never Jefferson. hear any of that kind of, like, he hasn't listened to audiobooks in the car. Like, but no maybe, hints but, that he knows those things. Jenkins not, like, sitting there, like, being like talk, even talking about it, he's not wearing an Obama hat. He's not like excited about anything. 
He's just stiffing him. The the little tiny preamble to the cool line. I found, I found, pay I, me I found it to be fucking more. Pay me is great. I found it to be more. That's that's the, the epitome of the movie though for me is love hate baby. Like great. Oh, what it could have been. What it could have been mm-hmm. with these big misses though. I will say last thing. Love the swings. Terrible fucking soundtrack. Terrible fucking soundtrack. I thought a couple times Horrific. good choices. A couple times bad. They choices. do every. They do every hacky soundtrack on thing the nose. where it's like it's never. Yeah. It's because it's not. It's not like. He, he it's the kind of soundtrack where it's like he's not trying to like match the mood of the movie he no, is doing I hate this he does uh, I, I can't say enough he plays Velvet Underground's heroin over a scene where they're shooting up heroin fucking kill me sure he um, he also does lots of little like like 1930s songs he plays Paper Moon mm. um, he plays uh, what I fucking wrote them down I hated them so much uh, Life is Just a Bowl of Cherries Paper Moon like he plays like as Scoop McNary is driving around on his radio Scoop character isn't listening to goddamn Paper Moon, an original fucking recording it's a of classic. Paper Moon. What? He can't appreciate the classics? I, here's what I say. Here's what I gotta say. Andrew, you had it all, baby. You had you had the two points, you had the tie game, send it to overtime. Instead, you keep going for three, and every time you go for three, you clank it off the front of the rim. Yeah, I don't know. Stay you, out of your own way, baby. You need, you need those guys. You Listen need, to that. You need those now guys. fucking pay me. Great. Cut now to black. Good. Cut to black. I, really Roll bad. the credits. Really and bad. then that's fucking I agree. Oh, that I, song! You, you Come have, on, you have me there. It's a good song. No, I love Why the, you I the love song? the music in Many Saints. Let's get on to Many Saints. David of Newark. Chase loves his music. Many Saints in Newark. We got thirty minutes left here. We got to get through this. Many Saints in Newark um, yeah, came give, out. Give me, give me a give me twenty five on Many Saints. We don't have to talk about Many Saints very much. It's a let's let's be honest. It's a piece of shit. All right, it came out in twenty twenty one. Written by David Chase and Lawrence Connor, directed by Alan Taylor. Uh, it of course is a prequel to uh, one of the best TV shows of all time, The Sopranos. You think? Uh, <laughs> budget fifty million. Now this is very interesting because. This is the first movie we've watched that is fully in the world of streaming, uh, the new yeah. the new world. And so, budget fifty million, mm-hmm. a box office twelve point seven million, but broke viewership records on HBO Max, one of the really? biggest streaming hits of all time on HBO. So we're Max. gonna get more Sopranos stories. I don't know, it, and it also led to a spike in viewership of the Sopranos, the 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 original series. Cool. Uh, so. Uh, kind of the equation is broken now, like because fifty million uh, versus twelve point seven sounds like a giant disaster. But, but we'll like, never know. The math is all off right, because right, Netflix, right. you know HBO Max doesn't want to tell you what the numbers yeah, are. Blah blah cool. blah. Uh, well, actually, they did. It said like it was. They said it was streamed more than two million times in the first month, and apparently that was uh one of their that was like one of their highest ever records for streaming on HBO Max. Um, Joe, in 60 seconds or less, please quickly tell us the plot of Many Saints of Newark, starting now. Christopher Moltisanti's father, who I forget the name, Mr. Moltisanti is the main character on this one. His father, played by Ray Liotta, comes back from Italy with a, with a, a beautiful new wife. Hollywood Moltisanti. And, and they, um, you know, I guess that's not really part of the plot at all. So there's 15, 16 seconds down the drain. <laughs> oh, no, this is gonna <laughs> she's, be- she's gorgeous. Then... Um, what happens? That, that you know, there's a bunch of Sopranos stuff, and uh, 
Uh, oh, people start dying. There's lots of funerals. This is a disaster. Um, already, 30 seconds. I just like, forget what the plot is. 30 um, seconds. Tony Soprano grows up over time. Rico comes in. Oh, you know what it's kind of about? It's about how like Newark is changing and the demographics of Newark are, are changing and how the mob sort of responds to um, the rise of and the, 15 you know, seconds uh, left. black people moving into suburbs. And, and I guess that, you know, wasn't my best of the, the summary. So you look it up on Wikipedia. Well, you know, I actually think uh, but wait, wait, what was the plot though? I like forget. Like he couldn't see, get his Guma hairdresser shop or something. Here's the thing. I I, I like this movie. I'm just saying. I, I don't oh, remember. You like this movie? I was surprised. I was, I was surprised that I liked this movie. Wow. But, 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 but I'm gonna talk about it. L- I, like could be you know l- like. I mean, I like the movie. We'll I mean, look. You, I, thought you did not like oh, it. Oh, I hate this movie. This movie's <gasps> terrible. This movie oh my god. Absolute absolute disgrace. I I didn't feel that way about this movie. I I think it is. Fitting though that you, that, that was your worst sixty second review, yeah, because it, yeah. it because yeah, yeah the yeah. movie is all over the place. It's it really doing, is it's doing ten things at once, yeah. and part of the reason for that is um, I don't think so. the The backdrop of this movie, like you alluded to, or at least early on, and then it kind of goes away, is the nineteen sixty seven Newark riots, uh-huh. uh, which happened because. Um, uh, cops in Newark obviously are super fucking racist and they pulled over a black taxi driver and they they beat the shit out of him uh, and arrested him yeah, and then uh, a rumor went around that they'd actually killed him they not killed him but like so what they like beat the what shit a- out of him illegally um, and then so there was a, a big riot uh, among the black community in Newark um, and um, a, a, a protest of police brutality um, and the, the, you know the city was on fire for a couple nights and um David Chase had been trying to make a movie about the Newark riots since he was in fucking film school. He had an idea for a movie about the Newark riots, had constantly tried to get it made, tried to get it made, tried to get it made. I think one of the, you know, maybe one of the best ways of saying why I like don't think this movie works is that I think David Chase was just trying to get his Newark riots movie made. And the only way he could get it made is to like... Fine, I'll do a fucking another Sopranos thing. Fine, that is I'll my number one Sopranos thing. My num- I actually like. Th- I liked this movie, and I was surprised I liked this Shocking. movie the whole the whole Please time. Please tell me why. Well, I liked a lot of the. Okay, you know why I liked it? Let's just fucking say it. Because it just had a lot of like men wearing fucking suits, <laughs> okay. and they were having okay. like garden parties and okay. talking about business. And I, and whenever somebody, on, not- whenever somebody is doing, you know, the Italian American experience, and they all like eat food in dark rooms sure. and plush leather, I am like, okay, I'm, you, you got me. Go yep, ahead. Yep, yep. I thought that it was like um, a doggy at the water bowl. I thought just it was interesting. It well, actually, you know, Brett, you know, I wanted. I thought that there was some. You parts look, of it you look that phenomenal, were phenomenal, by the way. You thank you very excellent. much. I thought that there were some things that were really true to life about the Italian American experience in this film. I, I, I'm Italian American. I grew up in uh, in an Italian uh, household uh, with a bunch of Italian immigrants, and I actually made a little list for you and for the show um, a, a, about the, the top ten most Italian American things to happen in the many saints of Newark. Great, and I, I think maybe this if you great. sort of understood these ten things, maybe you'd see why I, this sort of resonated with me. Right, it's not a fucking documentary, about, but please go ahead. About you know, sort of the things that kind of read true to life to me, and this is sort of the pros, and then I'll kind of get to my cons for the film. But here, here they are: the ten most Italian American things to happen in the many saints of Newark. Okay, number one: tie clips. Number two, receiving the sacrament of confirmation. 
Number three. Are these in any particular order? No. Okay. Number three. Praising Mussolini in the late 30s and then hard denying it in the late 60s. <laughs> Number four. Driving a fucking boat. Very important to my heritage. Number five. Your mother refusing to take her pills. Very true to life. Number six, and this this is like you know, this is maybe number one, pulling out wads of cash, thumbing through bills, and then handing them indiscriminately to people. That is that is part and parcel of of my of my childhood, uh, and that read to me. Number seven, admiring fig trees. Number eight, slapping a kid, whether it's your kid or not, is very important to the Italian American experience. This one's good, and this maybe goes out I'm to all my this I'm goes out this goes out to all my Italians out there. Eating both Capazel and Pizza Yen, but not on Easter. <laughs> that is essential. And then, of course, number 10, you know, of course, drowning your guma at the Jersey Shore. <laughs> I mean, so for those elements alone, you could see why I was sort of strung along okay, and sort right, of beat right, upon right. my heart as I watched the film. My criticism of Many Saints of Newark <laughs> is that like, whoa, why the Sopranos frame? He should have just got HBO should have been like, so, of course, David Chase, here's money. Yeah. Thanks for the fucking Sopranos. Make your New York movie. movie. The Sopranos stuff was, I found to be quite funny. Like I was like, you know, at one point, uh, 950, yeah, at one please. Point, 950. Janice's confirmation. At one we'll point, young Tony Soprano is handed baby Christopher Montesanti, who he later murders in the Sopranos. And the baby cries. And Tony goes, why is this baby always crying? Every time it's handed to me, like as if the baby knew. As if the baby knew, And folks. then, like, a, a woman who he had never seen before, never see again, says, Some, I hear that babies, sometimes they bring with them, <laughs> they that? bring with them yeah. wisdom from, uh-huh. the, from the before yeah, life. Yeah. No, 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 no. Uh, and we should ask, uh, add that Michael Imperioli actually narrates this movie as yeah, they Christopher Yeah, do, they do Montesanti. a weird Spoon River at the beginning yeah. as they track through the graveyard. You. you can hear the different ghosts. You know what? You're right. Stories. Fuck you, HBO. You yeah. should have let David Chase make Just his make, Newark Riots movie. Go ahead and do movie, it. Ahead and do but it. you had to cash in on your Sopranos. I thought the violence was like... Um, well done and kind of scary. I nope. liked the, the, the shootouts. Everything about the newest Ryan's and Leslie Odom. That was I was scary. like, give me more. Was good. Give I, me more. I, I, I like this the movie. movie. I like the atmosphere. Yeah. I love an Italian fucking eating in a dark smoke filled room. I love a fucking Guma and I love the fucking movies where everybody is at. Look at this. This is a great example. Everyone's at a party, you know, about, you know, a child. But they're all just talking about work, and that's really important as this well. This is a high point. This is early on. This is Janice's confirmation. Janice, one of the great characters from the TV series The Sopranos. I this love is the her Sopranos confirmation. And I love Janice. Uh, and uh, we have Ray Liotta again, who we are honoring uh, in this. And Ray, we should add, we haven't even talked about this, but Ray plays two characters. Ray is one of the high points of this movie. He, he's awesome. Throughout, Ray plays two diametrically opposed characters who are brothers. Um, one early on, he plays, uh, let me get this right. It's like, um, it's. Um, Hollywood Mont, uh, yes, Hollywood Dick Maltesanti. Uh, <laughs> that's Hollywood Dick <laughs> that's right Hollywood there. Hollywood Dick, who is, plus. yeah, um, and who is like a he's the old school, yeah, he's charismatic, school. but also misogynistic and abusive oh, and terrible so person. Um, old school Ugh. Italian gangster kind of character. Um, he goes to Italy. He brings back uh, a, a young his new young bride, and in this scene, he's at his. Um, 
niece's confirmation and he's showing the priest like a swimsuit photo of his, of his new <laughs> That's wife. That's what I'm talking about. The movie's good. <laughs> no, this no, this individual this, moment this, this is, reads, is this, fine. This Brett, this shit, this actually fucking happened. But then we're going to see uh, characters as though this is fucking, fa- this is the fucking Phantom Menace of the Sopranos. Okay, let's admit. There, there are like, I like, like that. There, this is the Phantom like Menace where you have, you've got Silvio comes up and Big Puss comes up. That and they stuff are, is so weird. It's Silvio, you, it's like, you learn how he yeah. gets his toupee. It's like, who gives fucking who cares? Cares? Learn how Junior Hurt is back. What? Oh, who fucking gives a shit yes, how Junior Hurt is back? Thank you. Thank you. I don't fucking this care. David Chase, just, he's old David Chase just wanted to make his Newark Riots movie and said HBO was like, we need uh, we need 20 Sopranos Easter eggs. We need yeah, a Tony fucking, and Carmella know each other in yeah. the past. Who gives a fucking shit? Yeah. Here's how you make your Newark Riots movie. Give me a give fucking money. Sopranos episode one colon Phantom Menace and then you can make you can squeeze in some fucking Newark Newark Riot scenes. The God movie, damn it. Let I him make the, his, the movie he wants to make. He gave you the Sopranos. I like the, I like the movie. Give him something. All right, let's I watch this scene. Silvio, bus. Yeah. Oh. Later on, he'll have a toupee, much like the one that uh, Steve Vincent wears in Sopranos. One problem with this movie that's not authentic to me is the priest isn't laughing. Like, the priest, uh, trust me, the priest would be laughing. The whole mood is off. It's like, whatever, you know, everything that was great about the Sopranos is missing. This movie has nothing to do with the Sopranos. I don't know why all the Sopranos characters are young in it. I don't know why they cast Corey Stoll as young junior. Is he Italian? This shit's real. This shit's real. See that bracelet? I've been jonesing to buy that kind of bracelet for the past like calendar year, uh, and I'm gonna buy one, a hundred percent. Oh, I love it! She blows the smoke into the baby's bassinet. Oh, uh, Leota eating and acting. Give oh, me I more. Love Leota in this movie. Pussy. <laughs> no one acts with a full mouth like Leota. <laughs> His this legacy. Is oh. My dog. This is my dog. Yeah. Right, Why did you there. think this movie there. was a quote piece of shit besides the Sopranos frame, which is obnoxious and doesn't help and makes no sense at all? Did what did you did because you because of the Sopranos frame, which is the, which is the, the frame of the, point of the movie. movie, which is the frame of the okay. movie? Okay, all right, I you that. have you I have that. done what I often do, um, yeah. which is you like something mm. uh, sort of stylistically and aesthetically, and mm. so you. Uh, and I look. I don't think this is dishonest. So I, 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 I want to be. Honest. I think you are still being honest, but I think you have selectively watched this movie. I watched this movie start to finish as it was presented to me, and it's it's a piece of garbage. That's fine because it's it is it's not great on its own, and then it and then it is a complete piece of garbage because it frames itself as a prequel to The Sopranos. Bizarre, and thus, but has nothing. No, it like forgets everything about the Sopranos, and I'm not even asking you. I did not expect this to like match like peak era Sopranos. Like, how could you, right? But at least remember what was good about the Sopranos and try to recreate that, right? The sense of humor, the fucking the the comedy of it all, the fucking the existentialism of it all. Like, there's none like of that. the movie is like Sopranos is is. The smartest, funniest show ever, and the funniest, smartest show ever. It is both in equal measure all the time. It's funnier than any sitcom that's ever come out, and it's smarter than any smart show that's ever come out, right? It's both at once. This has just not not even remotely in the ballpark of any uh, of any of that. No, and no. so, again, 
I can't say it enough. They should have let David Chase make his Newark Riots movie, yeah. and then we wouldn't have even had to have this conversation. Can I say one thing yeah. that I liked about this movie? This movie is shot on digital, like every movie. It's fine. And it does like this. It does. David Fincher. It does the stupid. Okay, every break. single movie ever does the stupid, cold, blue David Fincher ripoff horseshit. Uh, and this movie does that. But I thought that the cinematography was good. I thought that they did a. I thought that whoever did the cinematography did a good job on this movie, and they were handed a stupid digital camera, and that person probably wished they could just shoot on film, like a real filmmaker. And there was. I actually kind of liked how it was so. Uh, flat and subdued and brown and blue and I it really did a nice job of bringing me back and putting me in those rooms despite it being shot on digital and not feeling you know lush vibrant cool or interesting like some of the great uh mob movies shot on film or, or any movie shot on film Kramer Morgenthau Kramer Morgenthau despite it all like it's a made for fucking TV movie it's a Sopranos prequel and I found that there was a lot of artistry it was, not, it was intended to be released in theaters fine I found a lot of artistry in that camera and a lot of I loved the art design and I loved the costuming and that flat digital look was was helping me get transported back so I did want to say that and I never have that opinion but I had to say it because that's how I felt and I have to be honest Look at this body of work. Kramer Morgenthau was the DP on Many Saints of Newark. He was also the DP on Creed Two. Oh, good movie. Thor The Dark World. Horrible movie. And John Favreau's Chef, baby. He was the <laughs> DP on Chef. Okay. Look, I said what I said. I'm not gonna take it back. I I, I thought that um I, I love the cinematography in this movie. I liked the scene when they went down the Jersey Shore to fuck and, and kill and kill each other. Joe, I here's the thing. I wanna watch like, cause we we've I've almost forgotten. We have to we have to choose one of these movies. This I know, week you, I is know a weird one. This week is a weird. I know what one. you're thinking. Well, I don't even. I, I want to give um, Many Saints of Newark an equal shot here, but there's just no memorable. Like there's That's no fun. memorable scenes in the movie. I don't know what to show you. There's no memorable scenes. Well, I, th- I actually here's what I got. Yeah. Uh, I, I, well, Leota in prison. Let's see Leota in I, prison. I, I, I love Leota, so Leota in prison works. But I did find that whole thing dumb. Him trying to be good. And w- oh, so that premise so is was, terrible. Was, was the fact it's terrible? Was, he's Makes trying to no he's sense. trying to like be a he, he kill he kills Ray Liotta. He kills his dad in a violent smashing of Ray Liotta's face against a steering wheel in a garage, which I loved. And then he dra- he drives Liotta's body in the middle of the riots to a drainage so sewage a drainage you know company, and then he burns the whole building down and, and blames it on the rioters. Blames it on the rioters. I thought to myself, I like that, but um. But then Leota's other character is his twin brother or yeah, twin brother in prison and he's mellowed out. He's been in prison for 25 he years. Loves he loves jazz. It's a, it's a, it's a stupid. But Leota's so good. Leota's but it's fun so that they good. cast Leota twice and you can't deny that. Let's see a little Leota in prison. Yeah. Uh, so let's look at um, uh, 139.40. 139.40. This is the third or fourth scene. Uh, Dickie keeps going back. Uh, Dickie is Christopher Maltesanti his dad who's the main character of this movie keeps going back to uh, uh, the other Ray Liotta character, his uncle in prison. And Joe is right. Like Dickie Maltesanti is just a bad mob guy in this movie. He kills people. He kills his dad. He kills his, he kills uh, his dad. He kills and, his, and his lover. lover yeah. uh, he's a bad guy, but there's this weird uh, through line where he's like trying to be good, which I guess is it's the so plot, stupid. like the name of the movie, Many Saints of Newark. And then we see him at the very end. He does die at the end of this movie. Spoiler alert. And we see him in the, in the casket and Tony Soprano looks at him. He's got the rosary in his, in his uh, uh, hand as though he has been sort of like, like 
you know, sanctified or become a saint or something. But like none of that, there's no, it doesn't make any sense because he's just, he's just a bad mob guy. He's not like doing anything. He doesn't seem particularly, you think of like um, Scorsese's Mean Streets, right? Where Harvey Keitel is like literally sort of like torn between uh, his his spiritualism and then like the demands of his work as this a movie's as not mob, as good right? as mean treats, yes, you're correct. <laughs> but it doesn't even but uh-huh. it doesn't even sort of like lay that out. It's it's just it's, it's the so kind stupid. of movie where it's like it like it doesn't create a conflict and then it tries to like forcibly tell you there's a conflict. Where it's like you're there's right. no character conflict there. He's just a bad guy. He doesn't right. want to be good. Stop telling me he wants to be good. He claims that he's helping blind kids play baseball in this film. Was that like a joke dream? Or I don't did that know. really because it's played yeah, as it's a be, dream. It's sequence. played as a dream, but then later on somebody kind of like then then two of the blind kids are at his funeral. So was it real? Or th- were those not the kids? Okay, Joe, this movie's yeah. bad. It's like that's the answer. This movie's bad. It doesn't. It didn't take. The I thought time. it was going to be. Ba- I thought it was going to be bad, and I think that, I think that I um got I, I get swept away, and I'm I'm getting one of those gold bracelets, and I'm getting a tie clip, and I'm thinking I'm going to dress a little nicer. That's great, but all these things are instrument. These are incidental. These are just like these are just like you just like the fashion. Of the it movie. has like a, you know, but you know, we saw like the accordion player. I mean, they eat some. Incidental. They, they eat. They eat some. They don't just eat like you know fucking spaghetti and meatballs. They eat some deep cuts in this that I loved, and I you know one of the great things about the Sopranos. You said there's nothing in common is the food. The Sopran- food and Sopranos is Fine. legit and amazing. Fine. Look, and you the, love the food, the food in this movie, music, like, and fashion. You I, love I love food, it. music, and fashion. I love it, but that's not the fucking movie. Let's watch this scene. That's part of the movie. What else is the movie? Wow. But sitting there and looking at food and fashion and colors. You and shit. Remember, with my girlfriend was always a big argument. She died. He killed her. He's not saying that. He's so young. I like that part. What happened? When they went down the shore. My favorite part. Pneumonia. She had weak lungs. Growing up on the other side. Fucked up the <laughs> he's a murderer and a liar, which I buy. You know what's I crazy? do not buy this no, like impulse to be life. good they're trying to push it's on. It's so us. weird. Give me I don't think he, does he believe it either, though. Mistress. I don't know. Maybe it's not that deep. It's that the title of the movie. It's the end scene. Well, last name, you know, Multisanti. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I try so hard. I will say, I think Alessandro Nivola is a great actor. What I think Hollywood's like finally discovering him as a his abilities. More roles for Alessandro. Church when Joanne was cosign. I try to set an example for my nephew. I come see you. I do all kinds of good things. You know the Christmas song, my favorite. He doesn't things. do anything. He brought he brought his uncle <laughs> jazz records in jail. And he doesn't even do it good. Maybe he brings, some him, the he brings him shitty. He brings him shitty. He brings him some guys on like Carson. Yeah, God's yeah. favorite. Whereas Leota is like a hardcore jazz fan. <laughs> what are you trying to say? <laughs> what do I know? I'm a murderer. I take back what I said earlier. Obviously, Leota doesn't look like that. Ten years of that been as bad. That was just the other goes, character. Looks world-weary. He, look, he looks handsome and healthy. Nice when they let Leota be old, he looks great. When they like that other character was trying they're, to appear they're, they're, young. They, they did he was trying to appear young. So I, I liked that. I liked that contrast. But no, Leota. Leota aged. Yeah, he, he looks great. He died too young. It's it's actual tragedy. Sixty-seven is. I honestly am so sad. Sixty-seven is way too young to die. I feel like he was getting into his best work. I fucking am so sad. I, 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 you know, all the storefronts and all the cars. Great. Incidental. Well done. I like the whole the art department. 
you know, I'll stand up for costumers and the art department and and all those folks. They did a great job. On great, this movie. give them a good movie to work on next time. That's fine. All right, uh, now it comes down to the. Uh, well, we know where your head's at. I mean, I had a lot of shit to say about. No, I love it. I love it. I love it. We have to choose between these two movies. One, I mean, honestly, put them both in the trash can. But one's got it. One's got to go I, in. The, I do not agree with that. There's a movie here that should not be in the trash cannon, but maybe it shouldn't be in the cannon either. Do you know what's in the cannon? Yeah, no, like no, yeah, you know what's in the fucking cannon? We're gonna put this aside alongside the red shoes. I later on in this podcast life, we will have a chance to save something. I, I don't know what this is. We haven't talked about this. I feel like one day we'll be able to to take a look and and, and assess. I mean, but. look, I think much, uh, you know, you know, in 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 in, in the spirit of a, of Italian history, thank you. We should maybe approach this eventually from a, a Dante esque perspective, a Divine Comedy perspective, okay. and not just have a heaven and hell, but also have a purgatory. Uh, a Purgatorio. Thank you. I was like, what? Uh, oh, Purgatorio. Right, Purgatorio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That's fine. But hold on a second. I thought that Killing Them Softly was really good. I thought Killing Them Softly was a really interesting entry with big ass swings, big balls on Killing Them Softly. Sure. That whole, yeah. like, they bludgeon you over the fucking head. I don't mind a big swing. With the tarp. But, uh, a swing that doesn't and, hit the and, ball and, is and, a miss. And the Paulson and the, and, the, and the 2008 collapse and the Obama. They beat you over the head with it. And, um, it it is maybe annoying, but now that we're ten years ahead, I was like, "Oh, interesting." For whatever reason, I thought the movie was really good. I stood up from Killing Them Softly, and I said, "I really like Killing Them Softly." It's it's unlike other crime movies, which are really by the book. Killing Them Softly does some cool things. We didn't watch the scene where Ray Liotta's head gets blown off. It's it's, be- very, it's very, very beautiful. Good, very good. I thought the scene that we watched with the with the Mendelssohn uh, uh, stealing the money was was excellent. And I thought that the the whole thing works as a piece. I thought I love you comparing Pitt to the Angel of Death or to Chigurh. He he he's wonderful in the film. The film's subdued in nice ways. It's extra in nice ways. I thought it was awesome, and I was really glad that we watched it. I said it before. I'll say it again. And it's John a love. It's a love hate experience where it's a movie that sure has brilliant moments in it I just think like so. great performances and, and moments of moments of great filmmaking and gandolfini and i think some of those speeches you're underrating been, it could have been all so of the better. stuff about could have been so gandolfini harping out of on his, his own way his third wife and their divorce and not letting it go and the drinking and the and the prostitutes and all, i thought the writing in killing them softly was really good really funny and weird scenes and we asides gotta, we gotta read that book can you imagine I, how good that book is no just I just um I thought it was I thought it was it was good in in ways I didn't think it was was going to Kogan's be. trade by George Anyway, I think I think so I think we know where we're going with this Getting one. So there's no Kendall. need to really do do a big poll. It sure. sounds and I don't want to spill the beans, but it sounds like we're going to put killing them softly in the can. I vote for killing them softly in the can. And I, I think it could I, have been I do as so well. much better. I, I almost want to punish it by putting it in a sort of purgatory uh until like until you, I can I disagree. And I Andrew like, Dominic recut that intro, redo the know. soundtrack. It was eerie. Diegetic sound, baby. I don't need the non-diegetic. I don't need the non-diegetic. I don't need heroin while they're shooting heroin. Fine, fine, fine. I don't need life is a bowl of cherries. Oh, isn't that ironic? While Scoot McNary's like driving away from the fucking robbery. I don't need that. Kind of works. It does not work. I think the movie's kind of great. I think the movie's kind of fun. I'll, I'll remember it the movie. It is not fun. It is I, a it is descent fun. into hell. And well, I want you, know, you to I, I stop. Like don't. But take away the little flourishes. Just the little look at me flourishes. Less look at me flourishes. More straight descent into hell. There, you got there, a good there movie was plenty on film. You shot a good hell. movie. 
Here's what I'll say. The little flourishes you're, you're, you're turning into 45 minutes of the movie. It was one fucking 20 second opener of the movie and some stupid little bullshit speech at the end of the movie. The movie was full of great performances, legit performances. Keep talking. I'm going to vote for Manny Saints of Newark and throw it over to the audience. <laughs> as, as, no, no, no. What movie did Keep you think talking. was better? And which movie did you like God more? Don't it. pull that bullshit God on me. It, you're right. I got to be honest. Disrespect I gotta be the honest. fans. I got to be honest. I just want to say this movie is Killing Them Softly has really interesting scenes between great actors. In lots of the scenes, it's not overdone despite the bullshit mumbling. It's actually a lot kind of, of it is subdued. very good. There's wonderful uh, I, uh, to a man and lady great performances it moves right along it takes weird tan- tangents it has beautiful cameos and scenes it's not it beats you over the head with the obama stuff but it but it doesn't beat you over the head with the crime it's still compelling and interesting and when brad pitt kills uh, mcnair at the end it, it was surprising and shocking that, that scene and, was amazing. and excellent. That, that scene whole was last sequence is amazing. When Pitt goes up to him, convinces him very well written, excellently written and wonderfully acted, compels him to join him, threatens him to join him. They go, they kill his friend. He drives him back. He kills him in a parking garage and whole time. Pitt is cool as a cucumber. Yeah, I thought this movie incredible. was very, very good. I liked it very At much times. despite its childishness or 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 flourishes but you know what okay the director made a choice arrest him uh it's time to vote what are you here's, voting what, here's for? what i'm gonna say uh andrew dominic you shot a great movie you edited a so-so movie jimmy butler game seven take the two points and go into overtime maybe you find yourself in the, the he, nba he finals would have lost in overtime no fucking wonder this you didn't movie get an oscar been, this movie just yeah you know what it would have won an oscar if it took out that stuff you know why because the oscars are fucking horseshit for dullards and fools take Kill- a fucking swing and shoot the three killing them softly i voted in the canon i vote killing them softly. all right too. so killing them softly goes in the canon uh yeah and lucky you we put you against many saints in newark next time we're gonna get you know what at some point you're gonna come out of the canon you're gonna have to uh, face a real movie I and really then we'll see how killing you... them softly i thought it was good leota we'll was see... amazing well leota is always amazing james gandolfini is amazing brad pitt is amazing this is it's a good movie yes but i but because gandolfini is amazing because pitt's amazing because leota is amazing that's why i'm so mad that dominic fucking added all this shit Jim in there Mendelsohn's get out amazing. of the way get out of the way all right well what are we watching next week next week we are watching The Matrix versus oh. Pie. That's going to be fun. This I is love a, it. Oh I love the boy. pie. I oh love boy. my fucking fans. People have already said online. Uh, people have already said online. Uh, there's no way Matrix loses. They said if they if they said if we put Matrix in the trash can, they stop listening to this podcast. But we're in the fucking driver's seat, Brett. And you know what? We 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 live by one creed. We might be unless what, we split votes. What movie did we? What movie was better? Which one did we like? We're gonna more? be honest. We're gonna and be honest. I, we're gonna be honest. Obviously, in my head right now, it's like I. Love I remember it. liking both these movies. I, I love the Matrix. Yeah. I've I remember never, loving I've, I've pie. Never seen, I've never seen pie. You've never seen pie? No. Arguably his best movie. Very good. Oh, I very good. wouldn't be that hard. Very good. <laughs> he fucking stinks. Requiem for a Dream's not bad. He fucking stinks, folks. Or is it? I haven't seen it literally since it came out. We should watch Requiem for yeah, a Dream. I'm sure it's. Planet. I'm sure if you thought that was overwrought, wait till you watch Requiem for a fucking Dream. The Fountain. <laughs> <laughs> Noah. Wait, Noah. Noah, no, Noah, Noah number one. See a big thick thick boy Russell Crowe walking no. around. <laughs> Noah one. Mother two. <laughs> We'll see where Pi we ends up on the on the chart. <laughs> Noah is unwatchable drivel. Noah is horrendous. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even joking. Noah is so un, unbelievably I love, beyond the pale. I love thick boy Russell Crowe though. Seeing Russell Crowe, Russell Crowe, seeing Russell Crowe's screenshot as as a uh, Zeus in this new Thor movie, I was like, ooh, maybe I'll maybe I'll watch I a know, Marvel I, movie for once. I love Russell Crowe. All right, that uh, concludes. I love Russell Crowe. 
relaunch the DU Warner Brothers, grow some balls and put Jekyll and Hyde with Russell Crowe out in the movie theaters. I demand it. The Mummy 2. That concludes this episode of Weekend at Bergman's. Follow us at Weekend Bergman's on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The DU will be back. The best. We'll be back next week with Pi versus the Matrix. Man, that is going to be a hell of a battle. I'm so excited. And uh, let us know on Twitter what other pairings you want to see. Uh, we've got our June July um, schedule up online, but uh, you know we we're going to be doing this forever. I'm going to do this till I die. I Bonus episodes you, exist. No, no, until yeah. I die. So until Great. 2026, me and you will both be doing this until podcast. we m- murder suicide each, each other. other who will be which one that's going to be <laughs> the, the that, watch to find yeah. out uh see you next week thank you thank everybody you. forever dog this has been a forever dog production executive produced by dog. brett boehm joe cilio and alex ramsey for more original dog. podcasts please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe dog. to our shows on apple podcasts spotify or wherever you get your podcasts Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.